This episode is brought to you by livingrelief.com, a Wolfpack-owned business that is your source for Delta-8, CBD, THCV, gummies, tinctures, chocolates, all North Carolina-based quality products that can help with sleep, anxiety, pain, and countless other medical benefits. Highly recommend checking these guys out. Their stuff is really good. And if you use code REDWHITE20, you get 20% off your first order. That's REDWHITE20. LivingRelief.com. Living, R-E-L-E-A-F.com. Thanks for listening. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. I was raised by the wolves. Alright folks, we are back with another edition of Red My Podcast. I'm your host, Evan. Here is my co-host, Will. We also have a special guest, my man, James Henderson, Inside Pack Sports. James, how you doing? What's up, guys? Good to be on again. So, James and I, James and I talk a lot over yeah. text message. And there are two topics that we want to get into. And I know we're on a time limit here because James has got to go to the presser. But the two topics that we talk about are Dave Dorn and Dave Clawson. And this week we have the Battle of the Daves. So last week ESPN put out the piece on Dave Clawson. Sucking him off. He's the greatest. James did not like that so much. James, why do you hate Dave Clawson? I, I don't. I don't hate <laughs> Dave Clawson. I actually, think, I actually think Dave Clawson is a very good coach. But he's treated like he's an absolute legend. And that I hate. Um, because, you know, we've got to keep it, to me, I mean, we've got to keep it all in perspective, in my opinion. And I think maybe my problem is I don't view Wake as bad. I actually think Wake's a great job because of exactly what we're talking about right here. Um, you know, coming into this year, Dave Clawson in seven seasons had won eight games, which is the most he'd ever won. In a season, uh, he has never finished above 500 in the ACC. And you get pieces like that. Um, and I don't understand that when you've got a guy like Dave Doran, who has won seven games in a year. He has won six games in a, in a year in conference play. He's won five games in a year in conference play. And, you know, you can damn near every loss, he's gone. And you're definitely not getting an article like that about him. So I don't really understand the, the gap there and why one is viewed so differently because I think at the end of the day, I don't really think Wake is as far off from NC State as a lot of people maybe tend to think they are given it. I, I don't know. I think I think college football has kind of leveled out a little bit the last 20 years across the board. I, I think so across the board, right? I think it has leveled out. My thing with – especially with Clawson mm-hmm. and Wake Forest is historically they have been terrible. And I'm not even, you know, even outside of the Groves couple of years where he was good, he was a lot of bad in there. There's a lot of four wins. There's a lot of five wins in Jim Groves era, even though he did win the ACC and we'll give him credit for that. Dave Clawson has elevated. And again, you can talk nice about Dave Clawson, 
and nice about Dave Dorn. Mm-hmm. I'm not t- not detracting one from the other. Dave Clawson has done a really good job at Wake Forest because he has brought that up. He's at seven, eight, seven, eight, bad COVID year, and he's at eight already this year, right? So he has elevated the Wake Forest program, which is historically very bad. It's a very bad job. Nobody wants to go to Winston. Nobody like there's nothing to Winston academically. You know, supposedly they have higher standards for who they let in, and they just have not been a good program. And so what he has done there by making them competitive over the last few years, I mean, I think that's why he gets those pieces, right? I mean, well, he's – go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, I I don't really – but I think at some point if you're getting pieces like that and you're getting this this type of attention – I don't know why seven or eight wins is what it takes to get that. Uh, you know, because like you, like when you say um, what Wake's done historically, I, I don't know. We were texting about this, and, and I just think across college football, there are no more really bad jobs. I mean, there just aren't. You know, I mean, or unless all of these programs who kind of a like, like Duke or like Wake have all of a sudden just hit the jackpot and hired the greatest coaches of all time, right? Because if you look at it, Northwestern with Pat Fitzgerald. Stanford with David Shaw and Jim Harbaugh, Jim Grove and Wake Forest, and, and Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, David Cutcliffe at Duke, uh, Mike Riley at Oregon State. You, you know, like those Iowa State now and and, and uh, Matt Campbell. Have all of those programs just all of a sudden hired the greatest coaches in program history to where they these historically dormant programs or doormat programs are all of a sudden winning at a level they've never won before? Or is it now – just easier across the board to find a way to win six, seven, eight, nine games. Maybe you sneak in and win a conference division title if you get incredibly lucky, like like uh, Cutcliffe. Like I think that's the thing that's funny to me with Clawson is we're I've just compared it to a bunch of guys who've actually won a, a championship, right? Like you know, as much as we want to knock Jim Grove, he did win an Atlantic Division title. Um, he did win five games in the ACC or more three different times. Like, and this would be, you know, I assume, but yeah, uh, uh, Clawson just did it. So this is his first year at five and oh, but I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's like, I don't really view football as being tough to win anymore. Really any of these schools, because all of these schools we thought were terrible programs and you could never win at them. They've had guys do it here in the last 10, 20 years. So is it just a coincidence? You know? I think that they, at least a few of them, have leaned into, like, the offensive innovation side. Mm-hmm. Like, they know they're not going to win from a defensive perspective. I think the one thing from that Clawson article that I thought was a good point was, you know, they have to change the game from their perspective. And, you know, I think with, Wake Forest in particular, they're probably the most noticeable because that slow-moving mesh, triple option, spread, whatever you want to call it, um, is really unique. And I think, you know, it it's what gives them a chance, a puncher's chance occasionally, to upset a team. And I think the reason they're getting so much attention this year is just clearly to, due to the start, right? They they ripped off what, yeah. six wins in ACC, but they were against basically the, the bottom half of the conference. And they played the middle half of the conference in UNC and then just lost. So maybe the shine will wear off. But I think it is impressive any time to run off 
six straight wins. I don't, I can't remember if we've ever done that. I think we've done like four, mm-hmm. maybe in conference play, but I could be wrong. Well, and part of it with, so I think you probably might have used some bad examples other than maybe Northwestern. But Stanford has, so I went back and pulled cool. the stats over its history. Wake Forest has averaged, barely averaged four wins a year. It's 4.04 wins a year. So when Grove goes 878-48, like, yeah, that's pretty damn good. But, but, Stanford, but here's, here's my point, though. I, I don't mean to cut you off. But, like, I don't know if maybe back then they had poor scheduling. But, like, we, we tend to dissect NC State's wins or losses, right? Like, I mean, sure. You, we all three agree. You can, you can schedule four wins now in, in, in college football, at least three. You know, obviously you got to play a P5. I mean, granted – you know, I mean, Duke somehow manages to, to find a way to play Northwestern as their P5. That's awesome. Um, but We should do that. Yeah, I mean, but you can schedule three wins now to where the – and that's kind of where I'm saying the historical stuff is hard for me to really grasp because, like, now, yeah, you're right, Wake's historically been a four-win program. But, like, now that means literally scheduling three joke non-conference games and your crossovers Duke every year. And so that leaves Listen. eight games where you could just kind of say, hey, let's just swing for the fences. Maybe Syracuse is bad. Maybe BC is bad. Maybe we could, you know, we generally be at NC State at home because that's a rivalry game and we've won that game at home a lot. And now you've got six or seven wins. And it's like, wow, he's a great coach. You know, well, like. Yeah. And but I'm going back to your question. Have those three schools yeah. hired their best coaches of all time? And I, I think the answer is yes. I think David Shaw is – Done a phenomenal job. I think Harbaugh might have had something to do with that, but David Shaw's been able to maintain that until recently. And Pat Fitzgerald clearly is the best coach that Northwesterners ever had. I mean, they've got multiple ten win seasons under him, and very few bad seasons. I think, yeah they they've also got Big Ten resources now, so that plays into it a little bit. You know, so things have changed a little bit there, but they do have more advantages than Wake Forest does. I, mean, I, st- I still believe that, you know, Cal is, or Stanford is in California with a lot more recruits. There's, you know, they have the same academic center. It's a, it's a much bigger school. They have, I mean, it's a huge stadium. It's a, you know, overall they have more than Wake Forest is. And, and they've won more than Wake Forest. Like, I mean, I don't, I, and that's right. Where, yeah, correct. You know, that's kind of where I hate even comparing Clawson to Fitzgerald and, and Shaw right. and Hunt because they've actually won something. And that's kind of right. where I keep circling back to Clawson on is like, can we save those articles? For when they actually like, he may win it this year. They should, right? They're favorite at home now to beat NC State to win the, which would essentially put them in a position to beat Boston College. Let's say they even lose to Clemson. They beat BC. They win the division. So right. he should win the win it this year. But it's almost like I'm comparing him to guys already who had you know have done something. And like another thing in that article that bothered me was they referenced the the size of the school. Like, why does that matter again? Uh, you know, like it should matter because of resources, and that's yeah, what I mean. That's did what it they... impact Duke in basketball? I mean, they're the small. They're one of the smallest schools in the country, correct? And I, I think basketball is a different. Well, I'm, different I'm just, animal. I'm just but meaning yeah. like if we're literally talking pop, like academic enrollment, it, it, Duke's arguably a top five basketball program in the country. There should be some give there to where we're not even talking about Wake being a top five football program, and the last, I, I just, I don't know. Some of the stuff it just felt kind of. We're reaching for a guy who – and like I said, I think Clawson's really good, man. It's just so funny. I come off like I hate Dave Clawson. <laughs> but it's just kind of like can we save it for when he's actually – like why am I comparing him to David Shaw right now? 
Well, I would say like that article has to be written at that time, right? Because you know, at some point, Wake's probably going to lose, right? So they they probably couldn't have timed that article any better from their perspective. And it's just if they're relevant, yeah. they got ranked, then they lost, right? Right. Um, I mean, I think you could have timed it for when they win the division. You know, like that's what I mean is he still should win the division this year. You guys agree with me on that? I mean, they're undefeated. They've got a great. They had a great setup. They didn't have to do the four and five road games situation state had they've got every game home road home road the rest of the way out um had the easy schedule to start it off you got nc state which is looks like the deciding game that's actually at home for you you know then you've got a chance to go beat bc after beating nc state to win it like let's i mean let's assume they lose they can still beat clemson you guys know that but let's assume they lose to clemson they beat bc and nc state they win it so yeah he should win the atlantic if he's this great and my point is let's run that article after they won the Atlantic and actually just kind of accomplished something. Now, you know, I mean, but it's not even just, you know, I mentioned some coach to you. Look at Mike Riley, for instance. I don't even know if he ever won a division title with Oregon State, but I was told he was doing things that they hadn't ever done there before in terms of just wins and all this. And I don't know. I just feel like across the board, across like there's no more teams in Power 5 conferences that every year they're going one and 11. Like you guys remember when we were in college, it felt like Duke or Wake were going one or 11 every year. Like who, who does that anymore? I've never actually pulled up Oregon state stats until now. And yeah, Mike Riley was clearly the best coach they've ever had. They had one 11 win season under Erickson. And then after that, it was, I'm going back, I'm back to 1968 was their highest win total at seven wins. Right. So yeah, Mike Riley was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, 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 I, and you know, he got, I mean, I he guess, got his big shot at Nebraska, like you know, kind of yeah. like we were we we're waiting on Clawson to get his, and he flamed out. Um, but I, I mean, my, my thing though is just, I just feel it's easier now to find a way to schedule wins, and we're not taking that into consideration when we talk about how great some of these coaches are at schools that we don't think. Like, I, I almost feel like we view Wake as a school where I know, like I said, when we were in college. There were a lot of one in tens and one of elevens and two and nines and all those from Wake and Duke for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I just don't see anybody really doing that any, like anymore. You know, I mean, Duke's terrible this year. Like, you know, you guys know that. They're, they're, what are, what are their, what's their record? I mean, they're, they've already got four wins. Three and six. Three and six. I mean, they may pull out, you know, I mean, they may get, I mean, they beat Virginia Tech this weekend. They go four and seven, four and eight. I mean, as bad as they are, they're going to go four and eight. And it's almost kind of like now I feel like the floor is just different for a lot of these programs that we are still viewing as, man, you remember Wake was winning one game a year. Yeah, but that I don't I just don't think anybody's doing that anymore. So I don't know. I, I think for me, it's, it's kind of like can we need to adjust the expectations for how bad we think those jobs are. Like I, like I, I always joke with Evan, Will, like Evan, I'm with Evan. I think Dan Mullen at Florida is a great coach, right? The guy's on the hot seat at Florida. Yeah. And like, and I'm told, I'm told that's a great job somehow that he, but he's on a hot seat. Whereas we're talking about a dude in Dave Clawson who has won eight games at max over seven years, four games in conference play max over seven years. And he's getting those fluff pieces written about him. How exactly is wake a bad job in Florida's Florida's a great one. I, I, I don't. Well, that's that's perspective, right? If you're talking about, you know, low pressure, 
you're happy to, you know, whatever, happy to be a mediocre above mm-hmm. average team, then yeah, you can see Wake's a, a good job. They're going to let you have 10 years and never question you. Nobody cares because they have a small fan base. It's, it's, you know, part of the reason why the state Wake game got relegated to the ACC network this past, this next weekend. I went back and pulled Wake's one win in season in 1995. Just r- randomly pulled the first one I saw. They played App State. This was before App State was any good. Tulane was not any good. Navy, this is their out-of-conference. And then they played Clemson, Virginia, Maryland, and Duke, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, and State in conference. Right? It's not like their scheduling hasn't changed much. That was still a winnable schedule. I, I think it changes with which teams are winning three and four games. Maybe you don't have teams winning one game because they schedule FCS games, but mm-hmm. three and four is still pretty bad. Right, it's still a, a not a good year. Nebraska is going to win four games this year, or three games this year. Duke's going to win four games this year. Those are both very bad years. Right, but when you right. look at when you look at Wake Forest, for instance, right now, let's say, and because we don't we don't nitpick their schedule like we do NC State, you know, we I haven't gone back to Clawson. Oh, I do. Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't gone back to Clawson's and said he's one in thirty-seven against ranked teams or whatever it is, or they never play any. I don't know who they've <laughs> scheduled out of conference. Have they scheduled a great out of conference team? Uh, under Clawson, I mean, just a pure schedule. Outside of, I mean, I guess maybe North Carolina is their best game they've scheduled OC. I don't know. Um, but when you look at them in the ACC, for instance, one of their disadvantages, I guess, is they play Duke every year, right? Like, we, like we're, well, no, yeah. that, that's an advantage. Like, I mean, you guys right, are correct. crossover, you get the Duke game. But yeah. I mean, is it, is it bad? Like, am I wrong in thinking Wake can beat Syracuse or Boston <laughs> College? I mean, Boston College this has, year, no. Just, saying no. It, just in like, general, in general, like get Boston College has some. There's some issues recruiting to BC and Syracuse. I think relative to Wake Forest, like Wake Forest, for instance, they recruit Florida well because they're a Southern program. They can go down to Florida and get some kids and, and do all those things. Like, I, like I think there's some perceived recruiting restrictions for places like Boston College and and um, and Syracuse. Like they, you know, Tom well, O'Brien yeah. mentioned that when he came to NC State. That was an issue for him at BC was recruited. So my point is, when you look at Wake, let's take their their, their weak non-conference schedule because I don't think they ever schedule anybody. We don't we don't ever look Correct. at it. Correct. They don't really. But but Syracuse, BC, and Duke—that's a start right there in conference play. Where okay, wow, I'm you know okay, I'm I'm if I, steal, if I can win two of those, I'm now at six wins. And it I win all three of them, I might be at seven wins. You know, and I mean, I don't know how many of these times that Clawson won, how many of them included a bowl game? Did, I mean, was he winning eight regular season games or seven? You know, um, I, yeah, I, I just think it's I mean, I think easier the general to question, find a way to get to these numbers than we're, we're looking at, if that makes sense. Right, right. I think the question really is, <clears throat> you know, if, if Wake wins eight games a year and State wins eight games a year, and this just happens mm-hmm. for five or six seasons, do you think either one of those is perceived as having elevated their program? Because I think if you look at what Clawson's done, it's clear he has elevated that program plus two, plus three wins, whatever, you, however you want to kind of measure it out, right? Whether he's doing that with soft scheduling, whatever, right? I'm a fan of soft scheduling. Oh, I am. I'm with point. you. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I, I say it all the time. I don't know why State like, doesn't play four high I mean, schools. State would be uh, eight and one right now if well, they had just scheduled 
Northwestern, oh, right? Yeah. Or something. Well, you know, you go to we don't need 20, to be playing SEC teams. Right, or you go to that 2017 team that everybody views as a disappointment because they lost the four teams that won eight or nine more games. Right. You know, don't play Notre so, Dame. Don't play South Carolina and Charlotte. And, you, you know, you got 10 wins and everybody's happy. Um, yeah. So I guess the way I look at it, right, Wake gets to eight games a year. I think it's an impressive coaching job. State gets to eight wins a year. It's doing what we expect. And, I think and, that's like and a, so why is I think that? a lot of people expect eight and four. But why is that? Oh, well, I mean, I think I think we've talked about before, right? In general, you can kind of compare state to a lot of programs in the ACC. Mm-hmm. I mean, large public school, fan base that's passionate, relatively good investment in facilities in the past, general recruiting base. Like, you know, there's, there's reasons to think and like general want to, like, I mean, we want to win these, these, these games, we want to be relevant. So, you know, now whether or not States invested properly, that's a completely different thing, but there is, you see national writers say it all the time. Hey, how come state isn't better? Like everything's there to succeed. And I think that's, what's frustrating is like, it seems like we've got the built-in, uh, traits i guess that you would need to have a, a more successful program we just haven't truly gotten over the hump now like we said like we i think we both predicted dave to win go 10 and 2 this year that's still completely on the table right and i think this is an opportunity for dave to quote unquote elevate himself from his past teams if he does go in and beat awake and hold serve against syracuse and then you know whatever happens against unc it could be meaningless but i just think that if we win eight games it's kind of like all right Good year, you know nothing. Nothing abnormal in us getting eight, eight wins. I think when Wake does it, you're like, it's a pretty damn good year for them. Well, and like I said, that's why I was asking you about the bowl game because I'm just looking at Doran here the last five years. Um, mm-hmm. For the previous four years, they've won eight regular season. Four out of those four out of those five years, they've won eight regular season games. Or I'm sorry, three out of those four years. When we win one more this year, you're already at eight regular season wins. I, yep. I don't know what Clawson – I mean, do you guys have that in front of you, like how many of his were including a bowl? But um, I, I don't know I why we you, don't yeah. think – At least two. Like, I don't know why we don't think State has elevated their program. I mean, you go back to 2017. Well, that's you, a different you know, topic, though. It's in, this is where you and I diverge in our right? text messages. Right. Because – I, I, those those things can be both be true. I mm-hmm. think Wake has really elevated this program. I think Dave Dorn has really elevated this program. I, Wake gets more credit because it's a, probably a longer, a longer climb or harder climb. Given, but, but does that get knocked because the the rise isn't as high? If that makes sense, like you know, shouldn't it kind of even itself out a little bit? Like, why are we comparing his rise to seven wins versus Dorn's rise to nine wins? Right, like, yeah, I think it's a wash. I, I, I don't think it's. I don't know. I, I, to me, there's they're both doing good jobs, and that's like you can compliment one and not be, you know, at the same time talking bad about the other. Right. I think you can be more impressed with Clawson, but still favorable of what Doran's doing to like give it a little bit of a delta. Like, I just think. I mean, I grew up in Winston Salem. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest was a doormat. So to me, it's it hits a little closer to home. I'm just impressed with the ways they go about winning. Oh, yeah. The fact that they've come up with a weird, disgusting, funky offense. You know, like things like that. I think are impressive. I, I mean, I you can step back from Dave Doran or from the state perspective and say, what have we done to be unique? 
Like we went to the three three five earlier than everyone else, and I think that's clearly paying off. Um, but it's kind of like it's. I don't know. It's 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 more obvious with Wake because they put up video game numbers. Yeah. Now they have to do that oftentimes because of their defense, right? Yeah. But I think in this day and age, right, people gravitate more to points and less to hard hand in the dirt, you know, style football. Um, <laughs> no, I mean you're right. I mean, well, I'm it, just it, saying, it, like from, a, from a, just from a media perspective, I yeah, think. it's sexier. I mean, like we we want it, yeah. we want what's sexy. I mean, like we we had this discussion. I don't know if me if we did. But I know we had a similar discussion I had about Wake Forest in 2019 because you know you guys remember 2019 they started year seven and one, yeah, um, and they, and they could have written the same article at that point, and yeah you know, they fell off went they ended the year what one and four actually I think um, one and five one oh yeah five. one and four they what lost year was that one of their, that was 19 that was 2019 yeah they, yeah they they, they had a Duke. bunch of injuries yeah. oh yeah well, right. well look like, hey hey we're talking NC State and Dave Dorn here now oh, Wait, I know I know injuries? I know what I'm, I'm saying not giving is them like, a pass for injuries. You know. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I was going to say that's why this is more impressive, given what we're doing. Like, like yeah. you, you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, but like, that's what the, how they write. I mean, like, it I think if you look like at these co- two coaches head to head, I mean, I think you could make a case that going seven and three in the ACC last year with Bailey Hockman is as impressive as any job either. Either one of these guys have done. Yeah. If we want to be realistic about this, right? Like, State yep. won seven and three. State won seven out of ten ACC games last year. And did it playing a backup quarterback in what? I mean, I think Leary played three games. So in seven of them, that's pretty yeah. impressive. But for Dave, you know, we get a, you know, he gets a little pat on the back with Dave, Dahl, Dave Dorn. He gets a pat on the back and then we move on from it. Um, whereas with Klaus, like, like my point, and when I, I guess that's kind of where I'm saying, where's that article about Dave Dorn from the media? Well, that's another one. We're going to, we're going to get to that. That's the yeah. next topic. You know, like, and, and so, <laughs> Again, I don't want it to come off like I think Dave Clawson's doing a bad job. I don't, Dave Clawson's doing a very good job. Eventually, somebody is going to think he's done a good enough job to hire him. You know, I, I think that's something maybe people should look like. Why hasn't he been hired away? Right? Like, I, I think there is some thought out there, maybe around nationally, that is he really doing a great job? Like, if you look at it from an analytic standpoint and the teams he's playing, like, is he really – you know, winning big game. I don't know. I don't know why he hasn't I, been hired away. But well, I, I think it's because he he's probably perceived as slightly as gimmicky, right? A big time program doesn't want to hire a seven or eight win coach. No right? doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, yeah. And he's probably one of those guys that says, "Well, why would I leave this little community where I'm highly respected and I'm getting paid?" And like you know, like I think isn't that the goal to get paid millions of dollars for doing the same yeah. thing and not having to really it's like why it's a great, be worried about your job? Gig, man. Oh, I know, I know. It's kind of like with um, Clawson, maybe more than Wake Forest fans do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like when we said like when we were talking about maybe Kevin Keats going to Penn State. Remember right. those rumors? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people are like, "Why would you go there?" And it's like, "Well, you print money for life." Yeah, it's a great gig. I mean, like it's a it's an outstanding job and. Like, like I said, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if you guys know my photographer, one of my photographers, Steve Murphy, his son is a holder for Duke, or excuse me, for Wake Forest. And so he's been around that program the last five years with his son going there. He's a, he's a state guy. His son went to Ravenscroft. And he will tell you flat out that the perception of Wake's program in terms of what they do or don't have is as out of proportion as you can have, like, they have facilities. They have money. 
they have all these things that like when you go there as a recruit, you are blown away, you know, because they have invested in there. I think Evan, we talked about this on one of the previous podcasts. The investment money's not like NC State's dwarfing Wake Forest at all, right? Like I think I saw one where maybe Wake's investing more in the football. And so when you look at those yeah. numbers, again, lies there this huge gap in terms of how well, we view NC State. And I get it. One's a state school and one's not. That's fine. But, again, I don't want to go back to the Duke argument. But, like, that that to me doesn't hold weight when I can see what Duke's doing in basketball versus a state school like an NC State. You know, can we, can we go back for a second? You're you're gonna have your photographer pay off his son with some NIL money to <laughs> yeah drop a, a clutch hold right right right, right. <laughs> hey, no, <laughs> yeah but no, no well let me let me get to you know the resources thing is entirely on us and I, I think it's on our athletic department and our Wolfpack Club and all these everything mm-hmm. that they have done to. Drop that ball, right? That's a whole. That, I could probably talk for hours about that topic, but that's where the, the there's there should be a resource gap there, yeah. but there might not be because of other outside influences. But where the argument falls apart is if I tell you over the last over their their terms at their respective schools, Dave Clawson's strength of schedule is a point higher than Dave Dorn's, and what's that based off of? I'm just looking at strength of schedule on stat reference, a rating of the schedule. Rating is denominated in points above, below average, where zero is average. So Wake Forest so, has played a tougher schedule the last. So he he got no. He's been there seven years. So Wake Forest has played a tougher schedule than NC State the last seven correct. years. Correct. Okay. I don't. Right? Believe, I mean, I don't. Yeah, that. I'm just going by the but, numbers. But, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't make yeah, up these I mean, numbers. You know, we can. Yeah, I mean, that the numbers can say that. I mean, if you want to compare yeah. schedules, we can. I don't personally yeah. believe that. But yeah. I don't know how you guys feel. Do you think Wake's playing a tougher schedule each year in NC State? I think it's probably a wash, to be honest. I think we schedule, we've schedule, we scheduled plenty of our own wins. Oh, look, look. State should schedule more. No doubt. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I can't tell you again. I can't tell you a marquee non-conference game Wake's played out of conference that they've scheduled. Um, both teams have played Notre Dame. They scheduled North Carolina. Um, I know states had a couple of the what Syracuse or not Syracuse, the South Carolina startup games under Dorn. I don't know if Wake yeah. had those. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe they're getting a maybe. I, I don't know. I, I, that surprises me because, like, when I look at the schedules in comparison, I don't feel I don't view it that way. Um, but maybe I'm biased, and I think playing Mississippi State this year is better than playing Army. I mean, or or I guess playing playing Mississippi scheduling Mississippi State's different than scheduling North Carolina. I mean, I guess yeah. that's the one. Wake's got a few against App State. Yeah, and... maybe App State carries more of these statistical metrics because they're. Yeah. I mean, we saw App this year. I mean, App's got what, one one loss this year, or actually two. They lost to Miami. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not a big. I don't. I don't know how you guys are on G5. I mean, like I'm not the guy who thinks the G5 team deserves to be in the national championship game. So I think that could kind of boil down to how people view that. Like some people think Cincinnati's great. Some people think if they played in the ACC, they'd go eight and four. You know, I kind of lean more that way with the G5 teams just because I don't think they've been tested, but other people view it differently. So yeah, you're right. I think maybe playing out carries more weight, right? Like, I I don't know. 
Um, They've got Indiana in there. I'm looking at just some of their games. Um, uh, Notre yeah, Dame. I mean, like, like I can go to mandated. the year. What year was it that they were good? 2019. Um, yeah, Utah you know, State. Rice, they played. They Elon. played Utah State at Rice, Elon, and um, I think they North Carolina was a their their that first cross that first game. Right. So I, I mean, you know that year. I mean, 2018 when State was strong. Um, they played Tulane, Towson, Notre Dame, and Rice. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they had to play Notre Dame, like you know, like we, State did that year. But I don't yeah, but we played they, ECU, Western Carolina, Ball State. I mean, not we've 20, scheduled was that in twenty eighteen. That was twenty nineteen. Okay. No, dude, I'm just I, saying, I, like, I, like we scheduled our schedule, own. Just schedule yeah. nobody. I'm with you on that. But, I'm and, not. And, and no, that, no. I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. We may disagree on that. Like, I, I don't yeah. have a problem with Wake not playing anybody. The only thing, the only reason I brought up Wake's schedule is we nitpick it for state. Like, we nitpick it and count and divide and, and subtract wins and losses based on Doran's resume because of who. Like, no one. We're never doing that with Clawson, right? We're just seeing. Oh, he's winning eight games. Wow, unbelievable. But we don't factor I, in. You know who? I, I mean. You know, we don't say in 2017 they went eight and five and they played, you know, Presbyterian, Utah State, App State, and uh, I don't know who was their other non-conference game, but yeah, I mean, we yeah. don't we don't say that about them, right? Like, so I, I don't know. I, I just again, that's one of those other things where we're talking Doran versus Clawson. You know, we want to dissect when did we play this team? What year? You know, where was it home? Was it away? Were they ranked at the time? Like, I don't know. I mean, what's Dave Dorn? What's Dave Clawson's record against teams that finished the season ranked? I mean, yeah, it... I, I need to get all those numbers <laughs> yeah, cut up just I mean, like we have ours. Right, like, because yeah. we don't look at all that stuff. And he may be great. I'm not saying he is or isn't. But it's just we kind of look at Wake in a blanket, you know, and just kind of a, well, they, you know, they went 8-5. Well, and so that's – and that's where the criticism of Dorn comes in is because we – if you're a fan of that particular school, and we're not the only ones that do it, you look at the schedule. So that 2018 team you brought up, JMU, mm-hmm. Georgia State, Marshall, ECU, outstanding that ain't murderers. That ain't murderers, bro. That's Out- terrible. Look, look when you when you when you are being compared to Duke and North Carolina, who play in the coastal, and now we know Wake Forest. You know they're crossover. They play in the Atlantic, but they do get Duke. We get you know State has yeah. to play North Carolina. When you're being compared to North Carolina, why would you schedule anybody out of conference? I don't. I mean, you automatic. You almost should just consider Clemson a non-conference game. Your rival doesn't play them. So, like I, again, I don't understand why we want State to play a tough schedule and schedule potential losses. That's crazy to me because we don't sit here. We're not comparing State ultimately a lot to the to nationally. We're looking at them against North Carolina. That's who you're recruiting against. And when they are able, literally every year, to compete for a coastal championship by going five and three, six and two. And this is the first year that's been a case in Atlantic since Dorn's been here. You guys agree, right? This is the first year where you may be able to win the Atlantic at six and two. And you can do that every yeah, year probably. in North Carolina. Why are you scheduling t- why why should I care about a non-conference schedule? Yeah. I, I don't I just don't agree with that whenever North Carolina doesn't have that luxury. They don't play Clemson every year. Well, that's a different that's a whole different narrative. Why doesn't Carolina you know get but that's the criticized for their scheduling. The, like the local media will be comparing NC State, Duke, Carolina, and Wake Forest. 
Of, all, right. of those four teams, the one at the biggest disadvantage going into every season is NC State. Because they are in the Atlantic, and their crossover is North Carolina. They're not. Their crossover isn't Duke and Lightweight. And, and UNC and, and Duke could just screw around over in the Coastal. And like I just saw, I was reading earlier today, where UNC still in the Coastal race at 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, when, I mean, is, when is that, that going to happen for State? When are you going to be in the Atlantic race at 3-3? Three and three? That's that's still well, that's a whole different story. I if mean, you're, you know, Carolina I mean, gets the benefit of the doubt. That 27, hey, look, 2015 team that won the the coastal playing Delaware and North yeah. Carolina A and T, and you know they don't get that criticism. But that again, we know that the media doesn't treat us the same. Come and but, bring us back to Dave Clawson, though, right? So we've established that the stats say that Clawson's schedule is harder. Mm-hmm. Not only that is that if you look at the recruiting rankings over the last five years. State averages 27, almost 28 spots better per recruiting class than Wake Forest, right? Okay. He's in the 60s every year. But yet, you know, Clawson no, I, is able to milk that out of it. That's but, why he's getting the – that's why he gets these bumps, right? NC State aside, Clawson is getting credit for innovating on offense because you are winning in a scenario that nobody's ever won before like this consistently. I, yeah, I just with, disagree with the winning like no one's ever won before. Like, I, again, I, get, I think that's to me where my gap – there's a gap for me versus Clawson. Because, like I said, I mean, I almost feel bad comparing him to Shaw or Fitzgerald or or even Grove who have actually won a championship. Like, yes, he, he is winning seven games a year in the regular season and going four and four in the ACC. I mean – is that really something to act like he's never that's never been done before though? I don't agree with that. Like to me, when I say he's doing something that's never been done before, I want to be talking about a guy who's winning multiple championships in a conference and or winning nine, 10, 11 games two, three, four years in a row. Like I don't really see yet what he's done that's never been done before. I mean, and, and, I, and I could be wrong. I mean, can you guys tell me what he's done at Wake Forest that has never been done before? He's elevated the, the number of wins per year. I mean, if you look across the board, I'm going back now. We'll take out Grove had two years in there that were good. They were one nine and eleven. And, well, yeah, I know he had another that. year. They went five and three. Well, Grove had a ton of those. He had three and nine, five and seven. Like there's a bunch of them in there. But going back all the way back to 1979, they've had okay. two eight win seasons. Mm-hmm. Dave Clawson's able has three of the has three already. Yeah, Grove Grove right. Got three. It, Oh, 2008. Sorry, I didn't see yeah, 2008. Yeah, Grove went 11, eight and three, five. 9, and 4, 8, and 5. How many years was Grove put there? It, that, so put so like if, you this, compare, right? if you compare that, you can, add in the, you can add in 05 or add in, because, like, you know, we just we forget last year for, for Clawson. We give him the COVID pass on that. You know, you don't got to win. You don't got to, like, well, like it, everybody, to me, everybody I kind of, well, we, yeah, to me, I kind of equated to, like, the Michael Jordan Washington Wizard years. You know, like, oh, you, you know, that year just doesn't – we're just going to forget those years. They don't care. <laughs> so, you know, in 2020 when he went four and five, ah, you're good, man. You know, we're, we're not going to count that game for you. Now, now Dave Doran won seven ACC games that year. You know, like, like we're going to establish – like, it counted for Doran, but we're not going to count it for him. But my point was more, if you go to Grove and you take that three-year stretch from 06 to 08, he won 11 games and won the conference. He went right. nine and four, five and three. Again, nine and four, five and three, still a year – that Clawson has yet to have at Wake Forest. He made this year. We'll see. And then in 08, he went 8-5, and 4-4, four and four, which is a typical Clawson year. And then you can pick 05 or 09. Either one of those years, 
Rogue went four and seven, and Oregon went five and seven. That four-year stretch is still better than any four years that Clawson's had at Wake Forest. Well, I'll, I'll just put it like this, right? The the second Clemson is down, he's got the stranglehold on the division, right? I mean, he wins this game, it's over, right? No, I mean, he's still got to win another game, but... But he's got to win another, but right, but it's likely. But, but I, but I, likely, I, I but don't I guess know if I even agree with that, because, like, couldn't you make the same argument for Doran? I was, well, I was going to say that, I was going to say, the second it became available, those are the two guys that are actually contending to win it. Right? Yeah, I mean, so, I think the difference, though, for me is, Doran had this opportunity in 2017. I mean, you guys remember, I mean, State played Clemson undefeated in the division at the time. Clemson already had one yeah. loss. They'd had three games left after that Clemson game at home. If they win that game, they would have had to win one game, and they would have won the Atlantic. So they've already been in a position where they've been, quote, unquote, competing with Clemson. Um, you're right. I mean, I think one of these two programs are likely going to benefit from, from Clemson. And by, by the way, I love how Clemson's down. And if they beat Wake Forest, they're going to be 6-2. and two. You know, <laughs> oh, I know. Well, it's, like, that's a, like the fact that yeah. they're not in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I mean, like, like to me, the most disrespected team in the country right now is Clemson. Like, they're they could finish nine and three, six and two, and not be ranked. You know how mad state fans would be if that happened to them? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they're not even receiving yeah. votes. I mean, it's hilarious to me how, like, even last week when we were talking, wait, you know, I think Clawson might have mentioned Clemson specifically about oh, if Clemson would have had this record, they'd be no. So don't you Clemson is being disrespected right now. Um it's, for whatever reason. It's the one year Dabo hadn't played that card. Yeah, too. for whatever reason there. But 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 you're right. I mean, I think either one of these teams has a chance to um you know take advantage of this. Like I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm telling you guys, like you, you may think I'm crazy. I would not be shocked to see Wake beat NC State and lose to Clemson and lose to Boston College. And they yeah, go six, and they go six and two, and I don't know how it'll play out. I mean, that's still an avenue for State to win the division. But we'd have to win all the other yeah, games, right? Yeah, you just have to beat Syracuse and North Carolina at home. Um, just have to beat the team that beat the shit out of us three, two years in a row, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would. I mean, I, like, I don't – like, look, you can go look at the splits on North Carolina. I'm not betting on them beating anybody on the road. They may prove me wrong tomorrow, but they're oh, yeah, averaging yeah. like 20 no. points per game on the road this year. Um, Honestly, this is the year Doran has got to yeah, win that game. I mean, and, and, I mean, there's no excuse. And that's kind of where I'm at with the closer thing. Is it's like, were we not burnt? Did we not see this already in 19? Like, I'm not going to say he can't finish this thing out. But they started 7-1 and one in 19, and they didn't. I mean, the moment this article comes out, they lose a game. They could literally lose it. They could lose out. And how would you be viewing it? You know, I just think it's early, and I don't really understand why we continue to – just prop him up and like I think Dave Dorn has accomplished more. I do. And I know people may want to yeah. asterisk on it and say, well, we should be accomplishing more. <laughs> I, I I don't really know why we think him I mean I don't know. He, we should be. I, 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 like, I don't know, Evan, look, like, if he doesn't lose those Wake Forest games, James, like no one says that about Dave. That that's what so, it comes down so to. So we we're gonna yeah, I mean, we can apply an, an if to you're right. I mean, if he would have went you know, I think both those years they would have won ten games. I don't know if they won them in the in the bowl, right? But, um, I mean that that's what it comes down to, right? Is when Wake drops that game against UNC, everyone goes as expected, right? And like if you know if they lose the next two of three, it'll be like, see, that's just Wake being Wake. But I I think for NC State fans in particular, right? They've been with Dorn for a long time. He's had multiple opportunities to get you over the hump, and he's 
bombed them in critical moments. This is the year he finally beats Clemson, and he's got this opportunity in front of him. But they just saw the Mississippi State game earlier this year. They just saw us go down to Miami and struggle down there against a good Miami offense and a good Miami defense. So you have to understand, like, there is a general hesitancy, I think, in the fan base right now going into Wake and just saying, like, oh, man, like, House of Horrors, here we go. Like, it. Dave's had one shot before, and he missed it. And now he's getting another shot, right? If he doesn't make it, I think you can see why fans are just like, man, this guy, he's just not going to get it done. But 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 why are we, what's the difference again in him and Clawson? Like, wh- when has Clawson got it done? Oh, he hasn't. But I'm saying he like, this is his first shot to get I mean, it he's done. Been there seven this years. is this is his opportunity. All right, both of you are are missing the point here. It's we don't know. Are we supposed to be fighting? Uh, <laughs> no. Both <laughs> the point the point is it's the perception of the programs, right? Clawson has done. I don't want to say more with less, but he's done the same with less. He's not, but I don't think he's done the same. Like, what has he done the same? Well, if we're talking the eight wins, right? He's getting them to the point. But Dave's the, won nine <laughs> twice. Right. Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. He's They've done the same. They've both improved their levels at their respective schools with Wake Forest being a much harder mm-hmm. one to improve over – the history of time, every data point says that. Yeah. And so Clawson is getting these love for how he is doing it, right? He is he's taking 60th plus ranked recruiting classes and moving the, you know, taking them into a floor where Wake is winning seven, eight games every year, where they have wins against power five teams, where they have, by the numbers, a harder strength of schedule over that same same time mm-hmm. period as NC State, right? So there is this is the reason why he's getting it. And then the weird funky offense that he implemented because perception matters. This is something we've talked about with Dave missing out on all those opportunities that you just laid out. That perception matters, right? If Dave had won some of those and they, people wouldn't be poo pooing what he has done. So, and then going back and say, well, you know, he loses any game against a good, against a good team because he's padding his schedule against the bad team. So, I mean, that is what the numbers are telling us. So part of the reason, the other thing that James and I talk about all the time is Dave Dorn and the offense, right? And Dave's offensive philosophy. I'm going to play this clip for you. I played it for Will Mm -hmm. earlier in the week. I want you to listen to it. I want your thoughts on this. This is another podcast, Mm -hmm. and they're talking about uh, State, State, which had a really good win uh, against a Florida State team that was down two dozen players. Are you no, in Tallahassee no, right now? No, they no, they, no. I, I'm in Nashville for meetings. Um, they weren't actually down two dozen guys. They just weren't really <laughs> able to practice this week. But they were down their most important guy, who had the flu, uh, pretty bad late in the week. Jordan Travis, and uh, yeah, like that's the reason I picked it for my lock. I was like, that's a totally different offense if Travis ain't in there, and he was not able to go uh, at all, and. NC State did their damnedest to try to make that a game for for about 20 minutes there in the second half, mm-hmm. and then they they finally pulled away again to win 28-14. Like, that's a good team. I don't know why the hell they try to run the ball so much when they're not good at it. They need to just let – like, they're very, like, Seattle Seahawks-ish. Let Russ cook. Let let Leary cook. He hit through for, like, what, 400 yards and a 4-1 to touchdown interception ratio, and the, and the pick was on a Hail Mary to end the half. Like, he, when he dropped back, good things happened. And – they just hey, let's run the ball thirty-two times for like a ten percent success rate and keep FSU in the game. It was uh, right. 
So that, and I, I've got dozens of these. I listen to a lot yeah. of these podcasts where that is the perception of this program. They they win in spite of themselves. It's wrong. <laughs> I just and, and that, I mean I, I, I don't just disagree. Statistics. With, you want me to give some statistics? Yeah, let's go. Um, so, who do you think is last in the ACC in rush attempts per game? Rush attempts per game? Yeah, because you know he's he's saying states pounding their head against the wall. It's not state; it's Virginia. So Virginia's rushing the ball twenty nine times per game. State is thirteenth right. though at 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 thirty three per game. So okay. they're they're second to last in the ACC in conference games in rushing offense in terms of rushing. And you got to remember now, this is in conference games where you've beaten Florida State by 14. You've beaten Boston College by 20-something. You beat Louisville by 15. Um, you led Clemson, and you're right in that game with Clemson. So there's not been really – I mean, you, I don't even know if there's been a, a negative game script where we can say State shouldn't have been running the ball more. I mean, you know, like State in all of these games probably should have been running the ball more because you've had leads, right? So, you know, um, like I said – they're, they're 13th in the league in rush attempts per game in conference play. Um, passing the ball since, you know, State never throws the football, not according to him. Um, State is uh, in conference play. State is fifth in the league in pass attempts per game at 36 per game. Miami's fourth at 36.6. Wake, who throws the ball all over the place, right? They, sh- they throw it 37 times a game. So you're throwing it one more time per game than NC State. Um, What's the depth of target on those? I, I What's the? I, I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, I I, what is what does that matter? Like, that's on the quarterback, though. The quarterback chooses who to throw the football to. You know, like I, I, I just cut up the, I just cut up the the uh, Florida State game. I thought Devin had probably three vertical shots that were open that he didn't throw. I agree. That was, he didn't yeah. throw, and so I'm not, I'm yeah. not but, putting that. But do on. you think some of that, James, is that he is coached to take that easier throw? More no, often? I would not agree with that because you wouldn't, you wouldn't scheme it up for him to not take it. Is what I'm saying, like. It's scheme. It's clear that was the number one progression read, and he just passed on it. He didn't take it. And, I, and again, I'm not using that as a knock on Devin Leary. I just think average depth of target doesn't necessarily mean you're not trying to throw the football. But again, to get back to Florida State, I actually thought the game plan was very, very smart to run the football. You want to get you guys know why? Because like you have struggled running the football. This was a game where you were not threatened by Florida State. I mean, I, they had one drive where I thought. They actually were good offensively. They had a drive come out of halftime. They scored on an onside kick where the defense probably wasn't even ready to play yet. But you gave up one real drive in the game, and you had had three straight week- weeks where you struggled running the football. I mean, I guess it would have been impressive to us if State would have just thrown the ball 50 times and won the game 48-14. That would have made us feel better. But do you all not think it was important for State to maybe get Zonovan Knight some confidence? I mean, like, well, seriously, I, you I, don't think it was good to get him in person 28 carries in a game where you didn't need to run the football, but you you could because you still felt like you, you still won the game by two touchdowns when you were a three-point favorite. Like, I, I, I think I've seen a, it. we got to just put some perspective on that, that it was like, I mean, I thought it was, I mean, you're about to play Wake Forest who struggled running the football. What if State comes out against Wake Forest and they're able to run the football for 250 yards? I mean, I'm not well, saying they what, are, but do you think it may have been? Hang on, Will. A positive for them yeah. though to say to to get some running, you know, some work on their rushing game. I, I don't. That's the way I viewed it when I watched the game back. I mean, one of my takeaways was I thought this was a game state state could get some, get their run game going. If you're really 
I mean, that's a that sounds great in theory. I, I can't imagine that was the case. If you're really trying to get Zonovan Knight some confidence, you're not running him beside the right behind the right side of that line, which is well, what they ended up doing quite a bit right into Jermaine Johnson, Florida State's best defensive player. Yeah, right? I, was, I wasn't talking about the the area. I was just talking just the work, the workload. Like I, I'm with right, you. but that's not how you get somebody confidence. You don't give them the ball and say, "Hey, run to our shitty side of our line into their best player and do something." Right? You if know, you want to get them confidence, them confidence, you you set them up. Carries. Yeah, but you set them up for success, right? It's the same thing they talk about with, and even you have said it this year. I've heard it, you know, when it's like, th- give him some short, give Leary some short throws to make him feel comfortable yep. before he throws, you know, throw a deep one. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You don't, you're not doing that with your offense, right? If you're taking Bam Knight and running him behind Spees and McMahon, who haven't been able to block Will, <laughs> you know, well, you know the crazy the thing. Best about it? The crazy thing is, like looking at his numbers, um, that was his best yards per carry game since Louisiana Tech. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and so again, my point wasn't necessarily the direction they were running. That can be my mine was. I thought they ran the football against Florida State because they needed to get some work on their running game. Like I don't think it was. And you're right; they could have just ran behind Icky all night, and that would, maybe he would have had more numbers. But it was more. I mean, you go and look at his 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 touches against Boston College. State runs the ball so much, he had 11 carries. In a game, they won 33-7. You know, against Miami, eight carries for Zonovan Knight. Against Louisville, 11 carries for 23 yards. I mean, I think State felt like once they had that game under control, get our running back some work, man. Get them, get our line some work running the football. Get them some confidence going into a game against Wake Forest where I don't know what State's game plan is going to be against Wake. Um, but I, you could see it uh, play out to where they may feel like part of winning that game will be running the football because it's oh, been so bad defending the run. They they will they will go back to the game plan from last year and then they'll deviate as they need. But I think the the perspective the what people are trying to say when they you know when I think it was Bud Elliott was saying like why are you yeah. running the ball like you average you're dead last in running yards in the in the league mm-hmm. per average like you're one thirty six per right. And I think there's some feeling that, like, I think you and I maybe were tweeting about this during that game or after. 14-0 is not, like, a stranglehold score. So, like, from my perspective, I would have liked to seen that shift once you got to that 21 or 28 yeah, yeah. points and really start working on it. So, for me, sometimes it's the the game flow. It seems like we shift way too soon to going conservative. Now, I'm also not surprised, though, against – like Louisville and Miami that we had poor running games because I think they're like fifth and sixth in rush yep. defense, you know, but Wake is 13th and Florida State is seventh right now. But I think if Florida State had been healthy, they would have probably be further up this chart, right? So like I get wanting to get some work against those guys and, you know, working in those the 13 package, right? And what they've been doing there with those guys, like it makes sense. I think for a lot of fans, it's like you choose to do it way too soon in these yeah. games or you – are too repetitive in it. Like against the Louisville game, like it sure seemed like the game opened up once we started taking more of those mid and deeper vertical shots. And I don't know if Louisville was just playing very well that night. I don't want to go back and watch that game for a third time, but it, it seems like Beck and I don't know if Doran gives any, any push in this during the game flow or not, but it seems like a lot of times we really default quickly to, to running when, 
Maybe we don't need to. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, against Miami and Louisville, State ran the ball 22 times and 24 times. I mean, to yeah. me, that's not I think they a gave lot. up. What's that? <laughs> no, well, I, I think it's because they were getting no success against Louisville in particular, right? Well, yeah, but, but – Like, it I'm made sense. Is, and that's why I'm saying is why not – why not invert that game plan, I guess is what I'm saying, is why not just go really pass-heavy to start against Louisville and see if you can put them – Put them put more distance between you do. and then try to establish that run. I, I just I wish we would kind of invert it from time to time, I guess is how I Yeah, feel. I mean, I, I just think that like I said, I don't I think there's this perception out there that NC State's just forcing a running game, and the numbers don't back that up at all. Um, in fact, I mean, it, it kind of says the opposite. They're actually throwing the ball relatively on average just as much as everybody. Um, yeah, the, the numbers are misleading though, and and even I, I read Phillips' piece after I don't remember which game it was, and it was like ninety percent of the throws were underneath, but you know behind the sticks or you know short of the first down. I forgot what, what his terminology was, and like you can you can throw that all you want. Yeah, right? that is that is not the same as what everybody else is talking about, where you're talking I mean, about stretching the field vertically. I've seen a lot worse teams able to one run better with seemingly less talent and to be more explosive. It's just those two things that we have not done. And so when you give a team like Florida state life at 14, yeah. seven, whether, whether it was not, whether it was life or not, right. Whether state ever felt threatened, but we've seen that before we've seen the story against wake in particular, right? You keep a team that is, not as good as you are, not as talented as you are in the game, and then they're able to do some dumb shit and win. And that is where the perception of state changes as the between the two programs. Like, this is what we see yeah. happening, and this is why state fans are clamoring for, hey, step on somebody's throat, be more aggressive, because that is your national perception. You want I want state to be in these conversations. I want state to not be, oh, well, a joke by the local media. Right. And maybe that will never change. But some of that is how you are approaching these games. Is 2021 thinking that you are going to run out the clock against these teams who, even to your point, nobody plays any defense anymore. Nobody stops State anybody is. anymore. State is. <laughs> oh, well, you put them against an offense we'll, or some, we'll a team that can't. We will see this week. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw it against Miami. We don't need to see it. Right. We put them against a team. Think, I, don't, I mean, again, like. If if you hold Wake Forest to thirty one, you're going to be mad at the defense. No, no, that's, that's not what that's not what I'm that's saying. What I'm but saying like you, I mean, I don't really like if that's your worst performance defensively. I mean, damn, I, I'm yeah. gonna take it. I mean, you're you the, should win the defense games. is good. The point is that you can't bank on stopping everybody every week. The offenses now are too good. They're given too much room to operate. And state continually puts themselves in these games where. It should be closer than it is, right? I think, and I, I believe you think this, I know Will thinks this, that we are better than most of the teams on our schedule. I, you know, I don't think it's particularly close in some degrees, but the games don't show it. Like, and we we're just talking well, about. I don't understand that argument. Like, I don't, I mean, you've won. The point differential. Yeah, I mean, you've expected. won four out of your five. I mean, three of your four ACC wins have been by two touchdowns. Um. Like, I mean, like, I, I don't, like, again, Florida State, you were, I don't know if you guys do predictions on scores, but State was a three-point favorite in that game. They won by 14. Like, I don't really know how much more, what, like, <laughs> I mean, like I told, I told uh, Will, I was telling, I think I was telling Evan this, you know, let's compare State's 
poor offense to Wake's mighty offense, right? Like Wake played Florida State at home. NC State played Florida State on the road. FSU turned the ball over six times against Wake Forest. Six times. They played McKenzie Milton in that game. They turned the ball over yep. six times. They lost 35-14 at Wake Forest. Wake, FSU turned it over one time at home to NC State. They lost 28-14. Why did Wake's mighty explosive offense not turn six turnovers into more than 35 points against Florida State's defense? Actually, I mean, we were going to cover that on our next pod because I was digging through it the other day. I think I even sent Evan a yeah, weird I mean, I'm stat that questioning that because I don't get why we because we were expecting we thought I mean everybody seems to think State should have scored forty five on Florida State at, on the road. Um, why did Wake Forest not? Because our offensive efficiency has been bad, and that Florida, is. I'm not talking State. I'm saying if it's that Wake had six turnovers from Florida State that they could have used right. more points. They only scored 35. They scored one more touchdown this day. Now, like you would think, like if I'm telling you right now, if, if FSU would have turned the ball over six times the state the other night, I would have been expecting them to score more than 28. I mean, he scored 28 with just one turnover. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you and I tweeted about it. I, I thought we were going to get 35. That's kind of where I yeah, thought we were going to I think I had it 27-17 state maybe. Um, yeah. But I, I do agree, right? Like, when, I think we've done more with our turnovers. Like, I, again, like when you go back and kind of dissect Wake's record this year, right? I, I mean, a lot of us thought they should have lost at Syracuse, but Babers screwed that up. Um, they should have lost Louisville. or at least gone into overtime with Louisville. They got a clock operator error to get them three extra points, right? So it's like they've they haven't been crazy good. I think the question is, is really when you when we were going to the season. I can't remember where people had picked them, right? But I don't think anyone had them leading the division, right? And I mean, they probably would have. They'd have known the schedule. Like, I didn't look at the schedules at that point. I just kind of picked them yeah. based off of. And this was kind of what I was telling uh, Cameron when I did our Wake preview pod. Like I didn't. I just looked at Wake's schedule and names. Like I didn't look at when they when they played teams. And I mean, if you would look at their schedule and know that North Carolina is not in a, as a conference game, I mean, so far they played Syracuse on the road who we all thought Syracuse was going to be really, really bad. They played Duke at home. They played Louisville at home. They played Florida State at home. They played at Virginia. So, I mean, I think you we would have probably had them, what, four and one? I mean, if you're looking at them obje- objectively. I mean, well, I mean, I thought Virginia was going to be a lot better this year. Yeah. So, I can't – I don't know where you put UVA there, but – I would say, yeah, I mean, I, here's the thing, right? I, I think it would be reasonable, and maybe it's going to end up this way, is that now that they're going to play their hard teams, they'll probably right-size really quickly. But I think when you look at their schedule in a vacuum, you go, all right, maybe like maybe like an eight-win Wake Forest season, seven or eight wins. Because I thought, you know, again, right, there's already a couple that they, they won the 50-50s in my mind. Like, I didn't think they were better than Syracuse in that game. I thought Syrac- Syracuse well, defense is much better. You didn't think Wake was better. You didn't think Wake should have beat Syracuse. I going on the road there. I mean, no. Okay. I mean, I, to me, they're kind of equivalents a, a lot of times to me. And I, and again, like having watched Syracuse a couple games, I was like, well, their defense actually might be a problem here. Right. Um, I mean, my God, D- you know. And the fact is, they're like a one-dimensional team. Got a ten-win season, just to let you know. I know. I hey. Hey, you know. I mean, he's won. He's went six and two already. Now, no one. We're not writing these fluff pieces about my guy Dino. Dino did the did the smart thing and knocked out a Clemson quarterback a couple years in a row and gave himself a shot. And <laughs> Wake know, was, but Wake was picked fifth this year, by the way. Right. Okay, fifth. 
you know, I mean, at the same time, like we've also had some breaks go our way, right? We've played backup Jer- Dracovic's backup. We've pay- played uh, Florida State's backup. Yeah, like yeah. things are working out in our favor too. Honestly, did you think Jordan Travis was beating NC State? No, I think he would have. I mean, I think he would have. I think it would have been a closer game, but he (laughs) just watched what we did to Cunningham gave me confidence there. But if we were up 14 0 on Jordan Travis, I wouldn't have shifted to the game. And I I just feel like, I I feel, and and again, I guess a lot of it comes down to how you feel about a team. Like, I thought State was never threatened against Florida State. 14 0, 14 7. They were never, like, the only way they would have been threatened to me is do what Clemson did. Like, I don't know if you guys saw, Clemson led that game yeah. the entire game, and they give up a scoop and score trying to throw with a lead. They give up a scoop and score touchdown to put FSU up um, with, like, eight minutes to go in that game. As opposed yeah. to just I mean, continuing that's... to run the football, they're trying to put points on the board, and you give you open up the door for some bad turnover, and you had it, and you gave Florida State a door a crack in that door. Like, yeah, the, their onside kick and, a, and following up freak score – Right, we're kind of like the equivalent of that, but we at least had the lead yeah. there. But uh, hey, I want to give you all this yeah. one stat here, um, and tell me what you think of it. So, in terms of depth of target, so twenty plus throw yard throws down the field. Kenny Pickett has forty eight. Uh, Sam Howe has fifty one. Devin mm-hmm. Leary has forty five. What's the yardage? Twenty plus yard air yards down the field. So these are these are yards. Yeah. These are balls thrown twenty plus yards or more down the air this season. Kenny Pickett has thrown forty eight. Devin Leary forty five. Sam Howe fifty one. So on average, Sam Howe has thrown one more per game than Devin Leary, and Kenny Pickett has thrown three more total. I think it would be interesting to see what that is like. 30, 35 yards down the field, like true, true deep bombs. Think, because I think we've seen from that charting the passing game that enough. Leary like hammers that 20 to 30. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, like, I think they just like PFF just considers a deep throw 20 plus yards down the field. Yeah. I think what a lot of us would like to see is three, four like home run balls. You know what I mean? Like real true deep balls. You know, I'd like to see Anthony Smith in there more. Now, I think that's the only thing that's kind of holding us back is like, just over the last few years, you thought that that was what was going to get paired with the running yeah. game. Maybe the running game's not good enough this year, and so it's not opening up that way. But, like, when you see Anthony Smith just running wide mm-hmm. open constantly and he only gets, like, several snaps a game, I would love for you guys to ask Dave, like, what's it going to take to get someone like that on the field more? And it's probably he's probably not doing something behind yeah, the scenes. Right? And the it's ball. a deep room. I get yeah. it. But, like, give him 10 snaps, and I bet he's open eight of them. I mean, I, I, look, I'm with you. I think it's that – the reason I brought that stat up is I just think it's – again, there's a perception. We never throw the ball deep. Everybody else throws it deep every other play. And and like I said, I mean, those four – those three guys and Sam Hartman and, and, and Armstrong are, are the top five by far in the ACC in terms of vertical throws of 20-plus yards or more. Um, you can have aggression – Without necessarily throwing it deep, right? You can, and I, we've both heard it. I've heard, I heard Phillips say the other day is, you know, State should have scored forty in that in that Florida State game. That's what he said on your podcast. One hundred percent agree. I don't think that was their focus. And again, if you want to argue, right. they should have been focused on scoring forty against Florida State. You're right because they weren't. But I don't, I don't think that was their goal in that game. I think 
And, and again, this is something I, I agree we can argue about. Should State view it like we have this game won, let's don't give the game – let's don't lose the game by giving it away. And we've seen ways you give the ball the game away. You do stupid shit. You, throw, you try a good yeah. play. You try and whatever. I mean, there's various ways you can give a game away. But I think State felt they had that game won. Let's work some on our running game. We haven't had a chance in a in a non we haven't been, state hadn't been in many high, non high leverage situations the last three games to where they can just commit to trying and get something going with their running game. Part of the problem with their run game is Chandler Zavala going out. They moved Dylan McMahon over to left guard. He hasn't had a chance to build any in game chemistry with the Ikiakwanu. They haven't ran the ball a lot because contrary to what a lot of I think Bud Elliott clearly thinks differently. When the run game's not working, they've get, they've abandoned it. They abandoned it against Louisville. I mean, they abandoned it against Miami. They didn't just pound their head into the I mean, into the ground running the floor. They ran the ball twenty two times against Louisville. Like, that's not running it a lot to me. I mean, you can't ask Donovan Knight to get going when he's getting seven carries in a game. The funniest thing to me, is folks want to see Jordan Houston. I'm like, Damn, shit, you you barely getting Donovan Knight carries. Well, they want to see him because they want to see something different, right? The the stuff we're doing in the run game is not working. Exactly. And they have and, and my point is, contrary to what like guys like Buddy Elliott and others tend to think, State hasn't been just continuing to run. They did against Florida State because they had an early two touchdown lead. It was an offense that they didn't feel threatened by, and it was a game script or game flow that allowed them to give their running backs carries. I don't really blame them for that. When you knew coming, when you know coming up, you've got a Wake Forest team that their biggest weakness right now has been stopping the run. Right. You know because Wake, I'm telling you what Wake Forest is going to do. Wake Forest is going to play coverage against NC State. Sure. They're going. This is why. Why do you think? I mean, when I was talking to Cam, I said, "How did they give up the lead to North Carolina?" He said they played coverage. They were scared their corners couldn't cover, and they were forcing North Carolina to run the football. North Carolina. Yeah, Ty Chandler had 200 yards. Yeah, North yeah. Carolina was trailing by 18 going into the fourth quarter, guys. They ran the ball 18 times and threw it four while trailing with, by 18 points. Think about how mad we would be. <laughs> how is how is Carolina's run game better than ours at this point? Because their quarterback runs. And their offensive line. Yeah, the that, it's that. Quarterback. It's a numbers game. Like, they can the, – the problem with State, and, and, and to be fair – I mean, I'm a, like I'm gonna admit it when State uses it to their advantage. You just played Florida State where you're not worried about McKenzie Milton running at all. So when they run their zone read or their handoff stuff, you just take the running back out. If he right. keeps it, if he keeps it and he runs for three or four yards, you just line back up, whatever. But you're tackling like that's the problem State's dealing with now. Devin Leary does not run the football. I mean, when your quarterback like Sam Howe is rushing for 120 yards in a game with sacks. I mean, he rushed for over 120 yards against North Carolina and was sacked five times. And sacks count against your rushing yardage. So I don't know what he actually – he might have actually rushed for like 150 in that game. I don't know. But when you add that into your run game, and then all of a sudden now Wake's like, okay, well, we got to respect Sam Howell. So if they run zone read, he may keep it. Now you've got Ty Chandler busting out the back door. Right. NC State doesn't have to worry about that. So it just it, it bogs down their running game. It, it's unfortunate, but there's a reason well, you look across the league. Most of these teams that can run the football, their quarterback's running it. I mean, they're right. And the are part of it threat at least. And so it, it and that's and, and that's the thing. Again, it comes back it comes back to perception of maybe we are, you know, maybe people 
think we are running it a lot, but we're running it unsuccessfully, yeah. right? And we're doing the same things over. Now, I will say they have introduced a few new, new mm-hmm. looks, new concepts recently, but the bulk of our runs have been unproductive and very, I don't know to say predictable, but very consistent. And then you put you put Jordan Houston in, I forgot what game it was, Louisville, at the end of one of those games, BC maybe, mm-hmm. and you start running outsides and toss sweeps and and he's successful and they're like where the hell is this the rest of the time right there's there's an opportunity to continue to run the game and to do the run game but be different and not bang our heads against the wall and i think that's that's how i know a lot of us feel is that I'm, we're all we all want to run i i told you before i i thought we'd have two thousand yard rushers i thought the yeah. run game would be super successful but not like this not doing what they're doing and, and at and some point, they, you got to throw it to run it. And I, I just – I don't know if that's that mentality or the mentality is, like you said, hey, they never feel threatened, so they're not going to do anything they don't need to do. No, I think that which, was relative to Florida State. Like, I'm going to tell you guys right, right now, right. I don't expect NC State to play to get same game plan against Wake Forest because they, oh, yeah, they know not. they're going to have to put up points. And right. they're going to be more aggressive, I think. But against FSU, you didn't have to. And you came into that game with a known weakness in your running game where you haven't just been able to commit to giving your guys carries. And against FSU, you could. So, yeah, I think it would have been – they could have thrown the ball 50 times and probably won that game 42-14. I just don't think they cared. I think they felt it was more important. And I'm not saying this honestly without talking to some people. I've asked about it. I think they felt it was more important to get their running back some work going into the weight game, the Syracuse game, the North Carolina game, where you're playing offenses where you're going to have to be able to run the football. Um, some. Not, See, not, one of the things, all. James, maybe you could ask them. Sorry, I just want to get this before I forget the point, right? But, like, I they've, they have run Leary a few times over the last few weeks. The score yep. against Miami, I think once or twice at Louisville. He ran at least one time. It looked like it was designed against Florida State. Like, I'd be curious to understand why they don't do this more. Now, these maybe they've been waiting for these games, which are I've been kind of calling these like the money games that are coming up. But like, there's no point from my perspective of trying to avoid getting Leary banged mm-hmm. up and not trying to win a championship in the next three games, I- right? So, I am curious if they are going to add that element because, you know, it seems like for the longest time that zo- that read that he's been doing has been like. You're not really going to let him run with it, and you you guys know. But it seems like this like is the week that if you're going to that, that he can, if he just keeps it, he's running for 10, 15 yards, right? Um, yeah, he's not yeah. that bad of an athlete. No, I <laughs> he's, think, he's he's incredibly good, especially inside the pocket, and that's why I'm kind of like the dude. He ran a lot his first year, I remember, like on on scramble drills and things like that. So like, why not incorporate it? It's clearly the only thing that's keeping like a UNC, Syracuse, all these other teams like even around. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's more, like you said, I think they are worried about the injury, right or wrong. And I think he's not just a natural runner. I mean, if you look at him, sure. he just doesn't look the same. You know, he doesn't look like Sam Howell or even a Sam Hartman running football. Um, I would be – I am surprised they haven't put in some packages to where you go to like a Finley or a McLaughlin when you need a run, yes. you know, and, and use that some. Like we see it some in the NFL. We see it some, you know, like – Various colleges, you know. Um, that's why I think this weekend, I'm telling you right now, you're going to see the Wildcat from State. I'm convinced of it. Oh. You're going to see State run. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see State run at some plus one game. 
and see if Wake can handle it because a lot of what Wake's problems has been is just simply matching numbers and and tackling. And so, but does the Wildcat work when you aren't going to throw it? It depends like, on really? what you mean by work. Like, does it will it pick up five yards for you? You, you know, um, probably. I mean, I think that's the thing is I think they want to have some sort of run game element from a plus one standpoint. I mean, that, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, a lot of Leary's success this year. I mean, I you know, we I know a lot of people want to knock Tim Beck, but I I think Beck's done a really good job given the limited success they've had running the football with manufacturing offenses. You know, I mean, you go back to that third and one, he threw to Trent Penix, dude. I mean, what has been our tendency on that play all year to do? Run the football. And you yeah. go look at the left side of that formation. They, I mean, FSU had six guys over there on three. And you simply pull it. And you're right. I mean, it, it was only a one-yard throw down the field, but it resulted in a 45-yard touchdown. Um, well, the emergence of Trent Penix, like finally healthy and yeah. getting a lot of yak could be a difference maker going down, right? I mean, that wasn't happening early in the year, right? Aside from like maybe the Clemson game, like where he had one or two, yeah. um, right? Like we just, we hadn't seen it. And that's been the problem, right? It's like, if you're doing something and it's not effective, then what's the problem? And maybe they, maybe they finally figured it out. But I guess like my thought, my final thought on Wildcat is like, wouldn't we just be better served? to take Devin Leary out of the game and bring in another blocker instead of having him do that worthless, like, go stand out by the hash mark. Yeah, I mean... You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you really want to just go run the ball, like, why not just sub him out and bring in whomever? Yeah, I think the question Parham. is just how much is... Like, I think a lot of that is... um And, Evan, you may... Have, I don't know if you agree with me or not. It's probably personnel matching, right? Like, yeah. if you're huddling and you want to kind of... Like, if you think about... Think back to FSU, right? The only rushing touchdown State gave up in what, I guess, a second all year, they popped that Wildcat on state late. If you remember, right? Yeah. They, they just kind of yeah. huddled up. They lined Milton up at quarterback. Then they just ran him out real quick, and you couldn't match it quick enough and get your numbers right. right. It's substitution-based. Yeah, yeah. If you I mean, sub them out, then they get a chance to sub yeah, out. Yeah, they'll sub yeah. in and kind of bring in someone else. So, yeah, I mean. James, I know you're late for your presser. No, Do you need to bounce? I've got it covered. Okay. Well, then we can keep going on why this run game sucks. What the hell is up with the offensive line, other than Zavala even? Well, I mean, I think it's like, – like I said, man, I think I'm a believer in if you're going to run the football, you got to commit to run the football. I'm probably with you guys on this. I don't think State should be running the football. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think State's got – they. If, if you look at them compared to the last three teams on their schedule, they have more overall offensive weapons than North Carolina, Wake, and Syracuse. They do. Correct. Um, so I'm kind of of the standpoint of what El- Bud Elliott was saying. Like, I don't think you should be pounding your head against it to just run it. I think you try and run it. If you can't get a running game going and you're in these high leverage games where it's back and forth or, you know, you've got to score a ton of points, you got to throw the football. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I think a part, I think when you ask me what's wrong with it, I think some of it is chemistry up front. I don't, I don't think their offensive line is built to run a lot of wide zone or outside zone runs. I don't think they're guys who, especially with Zavala out, I thought Zavala was really good at that. Um, I think the chemistry's off between Aquanu and, and McMahon. And like we talked about, man, without, without the quarterback being a factor, it's just like, go back and look at how many runs are getting run down by the backside guy. Because he's not worried about the quarterback keeping it. When you run these zone right. runs, that quarterback has to occupy that extra man, and he's not. And so it's just kind of you're running in mud a little bit. I, I think State should run more 
downhill, you know, play more, run more gaps and counters, try and get their guys moving forward versus laterally and see if they can just lean on teams. I think that's the adjustment to make against Wake Forest. I don't think Wake is overly physical. I think you can run downhill on them. And that's what I've seen with, with our offensive line. I've gone back and watched mm-hmm. these last few games that they, for some reason, they're good in pass protection. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they're able to set up and give Leary time. He can give him a clean pocket. And he's been, re- they've been really good in pass protection. The run game has been completely different. And I don't understand why it doesn't seem like we are aggressive. We aren't getting that, you know, that punch, as they say, off the line on the run game. It just, they get blown up time after time. And I don't, I don't know what it is, man, but it's one of those things I'm like, at some point, something's got to change, whether it's your scheme and how you're, you're trying to run or, how you are executing on your offensive line. Something there is – it's just been consistently not working as well as it should be, especially when you have two very good backs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why you saw – like I know you mentioned some of the new things they're doing. I think against FSU, I charted them with three draws. You know, where yeah. you know that's just something different that you can do to try and get something going in your running game. Just institute some different types of runs. I think that's where a lot of the short area passing games come from. I think states right. kind of said, you know, and, and that's why to me, I don't, I don't really tend to focus a lot on um, average depth of target. I think you've got to throw some vertically for sure, but I also right. think you can't just live in that area. You know, when I was watching Virginia play Wake Forest, um, Wake just dropped eight men the whole game and Virginia didn't have any short area passing game. They just kept throwing the ball 10, 20 yards down the field, incompletions, deflections, um, interceptions, pass breakups. It's just there was nothing open. And I think at times you got to trust your guys underneath to catch the ball, make somebody miss. And, and it does become, you know, an extension of your running game, as they like to say. But I think with State, it's going to be critical um, against Wake Forest, I think, to try and find a way to get your running game going. Because I think I, – I believe Wake's going to play coverage against State. Um I do. I think they're going to say – and I think State's going to play coverage against Wake Forest. I'm telling you guys right now, you go back and look at last year's game, Kenny Kenny Walker ran the ball 30 times in that game. Yeah. And he did it for a reason. It was because State was playing I – think, I think Wake's biggest play in that game was 24 yards passing. Their biggest pass play was 24 yards. State did not allow Wake to get an explosive play, and they forced their running backs to win that game. I think you're going to see a similar strategy, and it, and it may seem like – Death by a thousand cuts, right? Like we're giving up all these short short runs. But you guys watched him play against North Carolina. You want to play a lot of one on one coverage against Wake? I don't. Nope. No. I no, I, I you know, especially without Christian Bill Smith, you make the the other yeah. guy, the new guy, I forgot his name. You make him show you that he he can play because you don't let them beat you with that dunk that they're throwing over the top whenever the safety bites. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how they scored on North Carolina every time. That damn safety would Creep in to try to stop the mesh, and they would just throw right over top of yeah, them. Just Dude, like give just up the run. Well, I'd say the, give up the run and the, take the and see if Wade can beat you in the red zone. Yeah, you know, I yeah. think I saw a stat where, their, where Hartman's got like I think he's got eighteen touchdown passes of twenty plus yards or more. Yeah, I think one of the things too, like going back to that UNC game, is when they lost uh, Gemmel or whatever. Um, I was listening to uh, a Jason Staples podcast, and he was saying that the yards. They were giving up when Gemmel was in the game was like four and a half, five yards. And then when Gemmel went out of the game on that, on that, uh, whatever it is, um, targeting, 
it went up to like 7.9 or something like that. And so that's, I think, the one advantage that we have is like most of the guys on our defense like know their role, right? And, you know, if if Drake Thomas went out for targeting in this game, I still think the other 10 guys are going to know what their job is, however we would reshuffle. So, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting to watch the discipline factor because I don't feel like when we played them last year, we gave up too many really big deep shots. It was just, they got down the field a couple times. We gave them a pick six. There was a fumble that wasn't called, you know. I mean, I didn't think the defense did anything wrong in that game, even though they gave up probably like 40, what was it, 44 points or whatever Mm -hmm. it was last year. So, I mean, I think we are positioned to handle them well. I hope we sit back in coverage. I'd rather give up that mesh run, I guess, than than give up that deep route. So it's not going to surprise me. It's going to be tough watching this game still. How do do y'all see it playing out? Y'all both got state winning? I think I, uh, I think yeah, State's a better ahead. team. I, I, like I, I've been saying this for all along, I think State's still the better team. I think they they should they and I know you hate this, but I feel like they should win. I think they are the better team, and they should win if they don't do stupid things. Now, I think Wake is defense is abysmal, and but it also plays into what state is struggling with, right? State's running game has not been very good, not been very effective. And so are we able to take advantage of Wake Forest's biggest weakness, which is their run defense? That is, that's my concern. I'm not worried about Wake's offense, which is I'm worried about our offense. You know, I think our offense needs to be efficient and effective. And if it is, I think we win this game. Yeah. And I think to me, um, I'm not worried about State's offense, uh, which I guess you guys probably could tell by the way I've talked about them. But I, I think everybody who's played Wake, I mean, I was even looking at their um, their passing numbers. I mean, they gave up, they gave up a 300-200 yard game to Louisville at home. I mean, Malik Cunningham threw for 310 in that game, and they rushed for 200 yards. Um, Army threw for 180. Um, you know, I, I think if State wants to throw the ball, they'll be able to throw it. I, I, to me, when I look at the game, I think the biggest outlier is actually State's defense. Like, I think that's the outlier when you look at these two teams. It's not Wake's offense versus State. I mean, State's got a quarterback who's got, what, 25 touchdowns and three interceptions? And they've, they've got the fewest turnovers in the league? I mean, how is – I don't know. I don't really think they're that bad offensively. Um, but State's got – State has had up to this point – you know, I mean, I know we may not feel that way, but they've had one of the best defenses in the country. And yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you're comparing it to and it, and a bit and that, like, that's why I think it, it's a it's like Wake's State's floor is so much higher than Wake's floor, in my opinion, relative to their defenses. Like I think Wake has to win a shootout if they win this game. Agreed. But, but I think it's yeah. possible State could win this game 31-24. Right? You guys see what I mean by the difference in that? Like it's possible. I don't. I don't think Wake's going to win a game, thirty-one twenty-four. Um, yeah. Well, let me. Here's here's what I would point out for people to be paying attention to in games where Wake Forest on their opening possession has only scored a field goal instead of a touchdown. They've either lost the game or they've been in an extremely tight game at the very end. They did that against Louisville, Syracuse, and UNC. They scored an opening possession touchdown. I think on every other ACC opponent that they played. 
So that's the first thing I'd watch. Second, I would watch Donovan Knight and if he has fumble problems because that's where Wake has been living. I think they've got like 10 recovered fumbles, right? They do a good job. You watch them. They're like actively trying to punch the ball at all times. And he is the guy who constantly, in my opinion, just has ball security issues at some point during a game. So I I would watch those. For me, the only other factor is going to be like the Savian Jackson um, injury. Like at some point, all these injuries are going to catch up to us on defense. Like maybe we can hold serve with these guys, but I don't know. So I I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really close game. Um, every like metric I think is like favoring us right now. FPI has us winning. SP Plus has us winning. Um, despite the spread, so I hope we win. I may like find myself watching like a three-hour movie <laughs> instead of this game, though, because I don't think my heart can take this game. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know. I, if we win, it's going to be like by a point. I, I guess is the way I feel. And I don't think it's necessarily that we don't trust our offense. I think people are concerned that our offense isn't explosive enough. And I think that comes into that plays into the perception and and you know talking about perception, one of the reasons Devin Leary is not on the a finalist for the DV O'Brien Award, right? It's little things like that that I think is ridiculous. He's clearly having a fantastic year, and you've got guys on the list that are have played three games. But I I think the the perceived lack of explosiveness is something that concerned state fans because we know Wake can score and we know they have a tendency to break big plays and you know can can we contain that I think our defense is good enough to contain that but can we match that offensively yeah and that's why I say the outlier to me is Wake's off I think this is gonna be the worst defense state's played maybe um since Furman it is and definitely and I mean like you know as bad as I mean, like, I don't think – like, you're right. I mean, State's not an overly explosive offense. But, you know, in conference play, I mean, they're averaging 29 points per game. I think Wake's at 36. So, yeah. it's not like a huge, huge gap, right? Like, um, whereas I just think defensively, there is a difference between these two teams. Um, and, and part of that, I wonder, is like, you know, I mean – I don't know. I mean, the schedule factor into some of these metrics and some of these numbers. I think Syracuse is probably the best defense they faced. Um, and they gave up, they scored what, 34 in regulation against Syracuse, which is, you know, that's good. Um, but they haven't played Clemson's defense yet to impact their numbers like State has. I mean, Mississippi State has a top four defense in the SEC right now. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, so you've played those two games already if you're State. Um, to where, yeah, I, I mean, I, think, I even think Boston College is good defensively. I think they're going to give Wake some issues defensively up there. So I just wonder a little bit, are the numbers a little skewed based on schedules? Um, I, I don't think I don't think State is as off offensively as, as we want them to be. I mean, can they be a lot more aggressive? Yeah, I mean, I think all fans want to see their team score 45 points a game or whatever. I mean, especially when you see other teams doing it. Um but – and maybe some of it is Dave Doran and Tim Beck. 
I just don't – I'm looking at the numbers now. Yeah, State's 20 – State's averaging 29 points per game on the year. North Carolina's during conference play. UNC's at 33. Um, Wake's at 38. Virginia's at 36. Pitt's at 39. So, you know, that's the difference between the – so State's 10 points back. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, that the defense could be – the reason state wins these last three games. If I think states, if state's going to win these final three games, it's going to be because their defense is the bet is the biggest difference maker between the two teams each week. And you guys, I don't know if we talked about it, but man, you, I know we again we like to question a lot of things state does, but they play really. Their two, their three units mesh really well. They do. And you know, I mean, I, and that's one of the things I think Cameron told me that scares him about this game for Wake Forest is. Wake's problem is they score so so much. They're all you know. We've talked about this before. These are high these these explosive offense. Like their defense is constantly gassed in games. Mm-hmm. Whereas state, they don't turn the ball over offensively. They do score ball score points. Trenton Gill does a really good job from a field position standpoint of putting their defense in a good position. Their defense forces a lot of three and outs. They just mesh really well. I, I think it could be a difference maker. You know, I'm kind of leaning to pick a state to win this game. Um, you know, for that. I would like to see State's offense create that separation to a point where State's defense can tee off on somebody. Right? I, they're oh, good. Yeah. At, both of those units are good enough to do that. It's just not something that we have seen. Right? And that's – I mean, I think, I, I think this, FSU might have been the only game. I mean, like, because you – Right. I don't think you would have thought going into that game FSU is going to drop back and throw the ball 50 times. Right? Um. No, I mean, Jordan Travis is not going to do that. If that was, but I mean, the thing with Jordan Travis is, hell, if they fall behind, man, he, he he's going to have to do something. Or, yeah, but all he can do is run, like, he's, and that yeah. plays into state's strength. He's like, you're one dimensional. We know you're going to run it. Then you know, right? And and, and that's yeah. kind of the thing with Wake Forest here is, I think you want to make Wake run the football. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be pissed off if State comes out playing a bunch of cover zero and. Giving up these vertical <laughs> shots to these guys, dude. I'm telling you, like you, I know Evan. Evan will thinks will Evan thinks I never criticize the coaches. Trust me. <laughs> you know, there's some. Criticism. I always tell Evan, man, you get it, your job is to be liked by these people. So, but yeah. I still, I still criticize them, man. I do I'm like your I've, I've taped multiple podcasts this year. Where I've asked Philip or, or Ethan. I'm like, did I sound like I was kind of shitting on Tony Gibson tonight? And I'm like, oh yeah. Well then, maybe you're just very you're much uh, more delicate with it than than we are. Well, I mean, I, I, also, I just we're hated. I, I kind of do it from an understanding, like especially with the offensive coordinator. It's like that job to me is so hard because you've got seventy five plays in a given game, and five of them could be just completely terrible, right? Like just bad calls, and you're judged by those five calls. Like, but I'm like, man, you like, you've got seventy five calls in the game. You're not going to hit. You're not going to bat a thousand, right? Like you're going to make some bad calls. So I yeah. kind of approach it from that standpoint where a lot of times the stuff that bothers me from a coordinator standpoint is just your general flow and how you're trying to do things. And I'm with just, you. Like sometimes just, I'm sometimes I am ticked off. Like, why aren't you throwing the ball more vertically? Why aren't you, you know tempo. Yeah, tempo. why aren't you playing I, with more tempo? Some there's there's things to quit because like there's I also don't yeah. think there's a perfect coordinator out there, right? Like no. You know, I mean, people right now are ticked off with Phil Longo at UNC, I'm sure, or Jay Bateman or whoever. And, you know, I mean, Tony Elliott is the greatest coordinator for you know of all time until this year. 
And like, yeah, I think there's some things there where for me, it's not always like, oh, this guy sucks just because there was three or four plays I didn't agree with. But just just don't let Ricky Person throw the ball, please. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, man, I think that was a game they went into. And you notice if you go and look at State's change this year offensively, Devin Leary's throwing the ball more in the red zone than any quarterback's done it under Devin under Dave Dorn. Yeah. I mean, he's got I think he's I think I saw where he's sixth in the country right now in red zone passing touchdowns. That number used to be I mean, there's a reason he's got he's at 25, what, 25 touchdown passes already. I mean, Ryan Finley had 19 in a year. And because we would run, state would run in the red zone. Like that's well, been we can't run now. That's the problem, huh? We can't run it now. That's part of the problem. But I also don't think they. Tr- I mean, you go and look. Was it um third and three uh, against Louisville? They throw the touchdown pass to CJ Riley. Like how many times yeah. in previous years would they run that and just kick a field goal if they don't get the first? You know, um, I mean, like Chris Toodles touchdown the other day. I think that was a second down play call, second and ten. In the red zone. Normally for them, that's a rundown where they want to get in third and manageable, right? Like they're being more aggressive with him and and it's paying off. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think they, they shouldn't do that though. I mean, use your strengths down there. I think for a couple of years, like we had talked about why are we seeing so many running touchdowns? Well, they were efficient at it, right? I remember I remember two years ago, whatever it was, Howell's first year, right? That's all Longo did. They just threw mm-hmm. in the red zone instead of running. And, and that's so, why we knew the regression was coming, you know, because yeah. then you saw Javante Williams and Michael Carter the next year have huge years, right? Like, um, I think one number to always look at is your field goal attempts. You know, like, um, what, what year was it? I think 20, 2019 or no, 2018, Ryan Finley's last year. Chris Dunn, like, led the country in attempts at 26. That's not good. That was infuriating. You know, that's not good when your kickers lead. Like, you want your kicker to not kick a lot. And I think right, right now he's, you know, towards the bottom of the ACC in field goals because State's been better in the red zone converting touchdowns. I mean, you know, I, for I, him. I think there's a, there's a couple points that I, that I wanted to make there. One, I think State has fared well against every team that hasn't had as much talent. And the two teams that have had equal or better talent, you know, if you just go recruiting numbers, Mississippi State and Miami have given them a hard time. Mm-hmm. I think everybody else, so, you know, outside of Florida State, who's might have probably better talent if you look at the numbers, but they're still a mess. So I think that's where State fares well in a game like like this. And your offensive coordinator point, I think the ones that are liked, and I think this is – probably what most state fans would agree with is you want to see, see them adapt to their weaknesses maybe, and, you know, lean into their strengths a little bit. And I I feel like with Beck and Beck wants to run, Beck has always wanted to have a running quarterback and now he doesn't, it feels like he's a little bit hamstrung with what he's trying to do. And the lack of creativity we've talked about with, the run game into, Hey, this isn't working. So let's try to pivot into something else. And I feel like they're slowly trying to do that, but I I think offensive coordinators who can do that faster, can adapt faster. And maybe it's talent related, but those are the ones that I think people look at them like, yeah, that guy, you know, that guy's getting it done. Yeah. I think it's the, you know, it's like everybody wants a supermodel wife, right? They don't want the girl from Iowa. Um, 
And I mean, I, no offense to any girls from Iowa. That that analogy was actually told to me by a guy who grew up in Iowa. So I don't know specifically. I don't think there's any Iowa girls listening. To yeah, this I mean, I like I don't know if that's specific, but that's the that's the analogy you go with, right? You want the sexy guy. There's a reason, for, right. you know, people like Wake. I don't even know, like, who Wake's coordinator is, but people love him. I'm sure, right? The Phil Longo, right, it's a weird sexy. name, Warren. Yeah, Warren something Rudy, or other. Oh, yeah, Phil Longo, Rudy, sexy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm interested though. I've got this like feeling. It seems like y'all thought State got dominated at Miami. It just feels like no, no I, support. I, no, I, I thought State could have won. Should have won that game. Okay. I still think State should have won that game. Okay. No, no, no. I, what I was saying earlier is just that the two times we've gone on the road, that's been our worst offensive performances. So that's why I, what I was trying to get at is right. Evan's really high that we're going to run the ball really well in this game, and I think we should. But I'm still scarred by just the way we've started on the road multiple times, and we might score like 7 or 14 points, but then we just get into a slugfest at times. And a lot of times I feel like it's more play-calling related, related than anything. Okay. Yeah. I, I see guys with innovative schemes that are doing less with more. Wait, doing more, doing with, more less. with less. Sorry, I got that backwards. <laughs> but it's scheme based, right? And I'll go back to uh, a guy like, like Coastal Carolina, right? With their modified option, they're, they're very explosive. They score a lot of points on pretty much everybody. And I don't know if Dave would ever do something like that that is you know, non-traditional, so to speak. But in order for him to slay the giant that is Clemson more than once every nine years, <laughs> I feel like he's got to innovate a little bit because you're not going to have superior or on-par talent with them. You know, like you've had, you might have had this year and you might have had in 2017, you know, there you have to do something a little bit nuanced and a little bit different. And I think that's where Wake gets credit and where State doesn't is because we're not. And it feels like if they did, this team would be just – they'd blow the doors off a lot of so these schools. Let me, let me I feel ask like you we've got a, a lot of that. Go ahead. So do you, do you guys think State skill position players are talented? Like I know we use star rankings a lot. But I'm trying to think off the top of my head. So you've got Thayer Thomas, who was a former walk-on, Devin Carter, Ameka Mezzi, Trent Penix, Chris Tootle, and Porter Rooks. Those are probably your top six receivers right now, your receiving options. Yeah. Is is that an overly talented group, in your opinion? Overly talented? Like I just mean by the star, like we, you know, we've referenced stars. Like I don't even I don't even know if any of those guys were four star recruits. Uh, wasn't Porter? Like, I mean, no, I would no, say Porter, Porter Rooks Porter is probably the most talented, yeah, of that Luke? group. Porter. Yeah, Porter was a four star. I mean, but but I, I mean, overall, they're like <laughs> Cover Three has this rating that they've been using lately. I like called Jag Plus, mm-hmm. and I think <laughs> a lot of our guys are Jag Pluses, and we've got a lot of them. So that like makes us really consistent. Like like you're saying from Florida State, right? Our Top three guys had like what eleven yeah, yards? Just ridiculous, right? But I think you can weather that because they're Jag pluses. I just don't think the only person on this team that's a game breaker is Anthony Smith, and, I, and we don't use him enough. And yeah, he's not supposed to be talented, right? Like, uh, oh, I know he was a punter. Right. I mean, he's a guy who could go to like my point, and and I kind of bring this back because I'm. I just think when we look at star rankings, sometimes like I don't even. Anthony Smith was very underrated. Um, 
Yeah. He's a guy who clearly could have been at Wake Forest, and we'd be like, man, they don't have, they don't have any damn talent. <laughs> but they've got Anthony Smith, right? Like, um, I just think, you know, when you were when we were talking about that a minute ago, I was trying to think of states because you mentioned being on par with Clemson. I'm just like, man, I don't know really. I mean, I think at the in the backfield, you know, they're talented. I mean, Zonovan and Ricky were four star guys. Um, Leary was a four star quarterback. So, you know, you figure, I mean, you've got four or five guys there, but O line was just I mean, their offensive line is probably on par with Wake Forest, I would assume, from a ranking standpoint. Um, seriously, like Bryson Spees, yeah. Derek Easton was a D lineman, Grant Gibson was a D lineman, Dylan McMahon was a three star center, Icky was a three star recruit. They're not overly talented from a, a star standpoint there. Um they're also like the most disappointing group on the team in my yeah, opinion. I mean, but I mean it just depends on how you look at it. I mean I thought I mean Evan you mentioned I mean I think if we if we want to be more explosive we want to throw the football they're probably one of the best pass blocking units in the league, right? Um yes. Yeah. But I, what what I mean is disappointing from what you've come to expect from Dave Doran. Like I think our offensive line gets way more credit than it does like in all these pregame mm-hmm. pro- pregame like shows and talking points that these announcers do because of what we used to do on the offensive line. And so like, that's another reason where it's kind of like, yeah, I would like to maybe see us, maybe you pass the ball four or five times more instead of trying to run it because those guys are clearly much better at pass blocking. Like, and I mean that just for us, from our perspective, like this is the, why it's the most disappointing part of the team is like, we thought John Garrison was going to be good. We thought Tim Beck was going to be able to make it work. And it just two years in a row now, it's like the, you've got two really good running backs and you're still like really poor and on, on an efficiency basis running. the ball. But, but again, do you think some of that's tied into not having the mobile threat at the quarterback position? Oh, I think so. Like that's, and that's why I say like, I don't, I, I say like, even if you're not a mobile, like a dual threat quarterback, Larry should still be running the ball a couple times a game. Like you just need that threat of it to kind of open things up. And that's where it's just like, like, look, He's not good at sliding. I get it. But, like, he's not going to break his leg every time. And it's worked for most of the games, except, like, Miami and Mississippi State. And you could say, well, Dave probably did some calculus and said, I don't care if we lose a Mississippi State game because I'm trying to win an ACC championship and I need this kid. And it's worked every game except for Miami. I just think now is the time of the season where you have to run him. And you just have to call it and you guys say, hey, man, pull that ball and run a few times. I think for me, like I'm with you on the throw more aspect of it. I, I think, I think they found something, man, with Tootle and Penix around the line of scrimmage against linebackers, mm-hmm. and I, I would get them the ball more. I would, like, I wouldn't, like I said, I didn't have a problem with um, only throwing it twenty, only running it twenty-two times or whatever it was against Louisville. I thought State was really aggressive. It felt throwing it, and I think that was part of the problem in the second and third quarter. State couldn't sustain drives because they were throwing it a lot. You know, um, and I've been the biggest throw the ball more guy. Um, but I just think you've got to, you've got to, I think they've been a mismatch unit. I mean, I know that's one of the things when I, when I did our breakdown with Phillip this week, he talked about how he thought against Florida State, it was clear they were trying to expose some mismatches they had. And I think if they can stay in that mindset against some of these teams like Wake and, and, especially like Syracuse, Wake in North Carolina. I think Syracuse is probably the best defense left, but I, I think yeah. they've got some mismatches there they can take advantage of. But the, just the blanket, to me the problem is the blanket, let's run it, or the blanket, let's just throw it deep or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I think that 
they've those two tight ends they've got give them something that a lot of teams don't have. I mean, Trent Penix, man, is 230 running 4-4. You know, and you're getting him matched up on a linebacker or or a, like there was one play, you guys remember the bomb he caught down the sidelines. He just ran yeah. by there yeah. slot corner. And I mean that guy was that guy's listed at 180 pounds. He's, he gets two steps on him. I mean, that's such a I mean, you imagine constantly getting him on a linebacker or a safety. I mean, that's just stealing, you know. Um, so I think you're going to continue to see that. And I'd rather see that than run Ricky behind Icky. No, Amen. you know, no offense for the the bad uh, <laughs> rhyme there. But, right? I mean, don't you agree with me there? I, I agree. What, do you, what are your thoughts on the, on the wide receivers? Are, are they Jags? No, I don't think they're – I think it's more of a, of a product of like just kind of – I don't know. I think it's hard to use recruiting rankings. And, again, to me, this is one of the things I didn't mention when we were talking about why I think guys now win easier at other places is I think the talent level has just like exploded across the country. You know, you've got yeah. now every program, every state doing seven-on-sevens. You know, every state having spring practice. There's just so many more good football players – to where you can't, and this has always been a, a one of the things that I've kind of pointed to in recruiting, you can't rank everybody a four-star, right? Like when you <laughs> set an arbitrary number of 254 star kids, right? Like these recruiting services, they say there's only 250 kids we're going to rank four stars. Everybody else is three-star and or two-star. That doesn't mean you don't have 600 kids who should be. You guys understand right. what I'm saying? So. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's my biggest beef. And so, it. like, when you look at a lot of times, like, a Wake Forest, right? Like, Jaquiri Roberson and A.T. Perry, <laughs> they're not ranked high, you know, and they, you know, only X amount of schools can offer scholarships to players, right? Same thing with Devin Carter. Why did North Carolina not offer Devin Carter? I mean, when you look at their receiving situation right now, why didn't they offer a Mecca Messi? How in the hell was Thayer Thomas, whose brother had offers from Michigan and Clemson, how was Thayer Thomas picking NC State over Davidson to play baseball. I, that still is, is mind-blowing. Right. Like, there were people – it's like when Icky, right? Yeah. Didn't he have, like, five other guys that were getting scholarships yeah, I mean, he, he around him? he went to the him? same school with Porter Rooks, who went to State, Jacoby Cowan, who went to Ohio State. His brother went to Notre Dame. Um, I'm forgetting one other guy. But all of those schools are going through Providence Country, Country Day. And his best offer was NC State, I think, in Virginia. Which, look, Virginia's a good offer. I'm not knocking that at all. But this guy may be a first-round draft pick who literally started as a true freshman. And so I think for me sometimes with recruiting rankings, like I, I think State's got talented players that on paper may not be talented guys based on – like I don't think any of them's, um, you know, Tory Holt, if that's what you mean. You know, like right. – um, but they've got guys who are good enough to win, certainly win their matchups every single week. And I think Wake's done a good job, too, of identifying those guys. I mean, how the hell did they get Sage Surratt, for instance? Yeah, like, his brother was a four-star recruit, and he picks Wake over playing basketball somewhere. You know, it's just kind of sometimes I think we, you know, I think that's the problem sometimes you got with places like Clemson. When they get into these ruts, it's the recruiting rankings failed them. You know, it's not always great to be able to choose who you get. <laughs> you know, like – because it puts pressure on you to choose the right guys, you know. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Don't get me started on Clemson's culture. Yeah, I mean, versus others. Like I'm looking at Clemson's receivers, and I'm like, this is what you've got. You know, I mean, 
Like, how does that happen at Clemson? You end up with what they've got right now at receiver. And they've been it's having funny the pick of the litter every year. The Clemson wide receivers are very much NC State's wide receivers from 2014 to 2017 maybe, where it's just you've got big possession guys. You don't have yeah. the the Hopkins, you know, Williams, all those other guys that they they were having that were just torching people. They they went reverse. They they went down and got big guys that well, everybody else is going the other way. Well, look, I think to me it's kind of like they've got they start three Devin Carters, and I yeah, don't mean yeah. that as a knock on Devin Carter. He there's a fit for that in your offense, but where's their Hunter Renfro? Right, like where's their Thayer right. Thomas? They don't have that change of pace type guy, and so it's just they're running bubble screens to C.J. Riley, right? And, yeah. and I mean, I'm again, I'm not knocking C.J. Riley, but that's not that shouldn't be his role in a, in a system, and they're paying for it. So, well, that's uh, bringing it back to state. I think that's that's why people want to think we should be more explosive, and yeah, should be able to score more points in a game like last weekend. There is a lot of weapons. I'm just like, who are you? Go- you choose to shut down one, and I feel like there's a lot of guys that can still beat you. And you're not even talking about like Julian Gray, who I think is very good, and Michael Coelho I think is going to be very good. You know. There's a lot of guys on this team that can beat you, and it just feels like we don't play into our strengths enough. But, again, maybe it's like you said, they don't feel like they need to at this point with the defense being as good as it has been. Well, and, and the- I also think we're looking at State more kind of in a vacuum too. Like if you – Oh, sure. I mean, like FSU, I mean, we got to give them some credit defensively. I mean, like we talked – we already used the Wake Forest example, but look at North Carolina, for instance. They, held, they went to North Carolina – and held that yeah. offense to 25 points. Yeah. And so State scored 28. North Carolina scored 25 at home. I mean, you know, I mean, they held Clemson. To, I mean, Clemson scored 30, but really they had 24 before that fluke play. Um, we already mentioned Wake. Louisville scored 31 down there in a competitive game. And see, to me, that would have been the difference. Like, you know, 30, well, 31-23. I mean, I don't know really what their game flow was like, but. Syracuse 33-30 in a game that was going back and forth. I, I watched that game. So, I mean, it's been kind of right on average around what they've been giving up. I don't really I – I guess my question is, I don't know why we thought State would go there and score 40. Right? Like, nobody's really doing – had really done that to, to, to FSU. So, I just kind of thought – like I said, I mean, I think my preseason, my pregame score was maybe 28-17, 27 21 somewhere I can't remember what I chose but right in that 7 to 10 point range um but yeah I didn't have state scoring 40 because I, I kind of had a little more respect for and I guess what you're saying though is when you watch it play out it looked like it should have been easier um yeah yeah I mean it felt like there was a lot of opportunities yeah and like you said like there was a couple guys that were wide open deep that Devin didn't throw yeah. for whatever reason yeah and and I, you know, I wonder how much of your predicting them to win, to only score twenty eight is based on past past performances, knowing that this is what we do offensively. No, I think it was more right? also though, just like I said, out of respect for Florida State, right? Like, yeah. I mean, like if 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 I think I think North, if I don't know, do you guys think North Carolina is better than State offensively? Uh, this year, yes. Okay, so if North Carolina at home put up twenty five on them in a game where they were actually chasing points, right? Like they had an yeah. incentive to score. 
I, I, I mean, in a game where State had an early lead and we knew, you know, at least I feel like, I mean, they're not going to be pressed to really score points and try and really push the throttle when you're already up two scores because a lot of teams don't necessarily do that. I mean, they don't. Um, I, I didn't really think they'd score more than 28 or 35. Like, you know, I mean, like I said, I thought Florida State had made some strides defensively the last four or five weeks to where they were playing better that even if with Travis out, I just didn't think it was going to be this high-scoring game. Um, yeah. You no, know, and what? And, and I mean, you're right. We missed a couple of plays deep, but like, I mean, I think it's encouraging for State that we're starting to see here. You know, a couple of games here in conference play, you've seen some short area passes turn into touchdowns and explosive plays. Because to me, that's what State's missed more than anything else. It's not just the vertical throws. I mean, I showed y'all that big time throws number. I mean, Devin Leary leads yeah. the country in just pure big time throws in terms of just volume. But what State's missed is taking a one yard route and turning it into a 45 yard touchdown. Like they need to pick those plays up more. And I thought it was encouraging seeing Penix in person get those because if they can add those going forward, I mean, that's what to me makes your offense much more dangerous is the ability now to kind of catch a Josh down slant and take it 50 yards for a touchdown. Right. Like, you know, yes, we are, we are doing those a lot, and so now that they have broken a few of them, it is a little bit more encouraging. I, I do agree with that. I think there's the the volume is there. The, now that they're finally working in Penix, and you know, honestly, that I, I tagged you in the the clip from the game mm-hmm. from the end of the half where I was originally like, this is this was disappointing. I thought they should have scored there, got the ball in the forty. Right. They made some room. They threw that play to Tootle up the middle. And Wide open. he would have had a huge game oh, yeah. had McMahon been able to block anybody. Okay. And McMahon just whiffs on the block. The guy tackles but, him, and that's that's the end of the drive. I mean, I, so yeah. they're using that mismatch a little bit more, and I, I agree they're, they're starting to make make something of that, I think. I mean, people get mad at me, and they hate it when I say – like I know on our boards they hate it when I say players matter more. But, dude, like that play right there tells you that. I mean, third and eight. You call a play that gets a guy like I when, when you when he catches the ball, there's not a Florida State defender in the screen except for the one that should have been blocked. And, right. You know, and I mean, just got to execute. You 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 know, like yeah. I mean, even the person one. How, how mad would y'all been if he gets tackled there? Well, he has been getting tackled yeah. there all year. Yeah. So right. he, they they finally made somebody miss. I, you know, is that? You know, bad tackling, which we Miami's just to be a bad say, tackling team, right, too. But we can't say we've got a oh. four-star running back who's supposed to be talented. As a coordinator, you should say, okay, I've got to get him in space to make a guy miss and make a big play. Like, I mean, it's hard to ask a coordinator to also consistently scheme up the guy never getting touched or never having to make somebody miss. You know, I mean, at times you've got to, you got to make a play for, you know, to, to break these big these big plays. And, right. you know, to, their, to, to, to a person's credit, he did it there. Like, yeah, I, I, it's tough. Um, but I'm with you, man. I think I think that if they can add that in there against Wake Forest, this game gets a lot easier. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm scared to say I really think State should win this game comfortably. But yeah, that's the way I feel. I guess yeah, Wake, it feels like it with Wake's defense, right? It feels like State should be able to take advantage of it. One of the things I keep coming back to, and and we're kind of beating around it here, 
in its, its success rate, right? And, and the type of throws you're making. And, and I pulled up one of Philip Danford's pieces where he breaks down charting the passing game, which mm-hmm. are, are some of the best stuff y'all have. Mm-hmm. And the success rate on passes nine or less has been 30 ish percent, 10, 10 plus air yards, and they've been 50%. And there was another game where that was even more extreme. And and that is where people get frustrated with Beck and the offensive coordinator. And you're like, you see the success rate throwing the ball, but you're still, you know, banking, you're throwing it behind the chains and banking on Ricky person to make that play, which hasn't happened more often than not. What was the stat again? You know, it's success rate. So mm-hmm. it's, hang on, I got the chart here. Nine, nine or less air yards, 30-ish, 35% success rate, 10 plus air yards, 50 plus success rate. That's on 50 third plus down. Percent. Uh, just says depth of passing. I'm not sure if that's okay. third down. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, like, first of all, be a lot of times, and we've talked about this before, I think the play call is based on what the, the ultimate result is who Leary throws the ball to. Right. right. Like, you know, you go and look, they've been running mesh a lot, for instance, which is running back out of the backfields, you know, your first read, you've got the two drag routes, and then you've got a guy hooking kind of behind the drags more at about 15 yards down the field. Um, but his progression is running back, drags, guy deep. I mean, that's kind of the way he reads that play. And so if he comes out right away and he throws it to the running back, I mean, that's that's negative air yards, you know, um, it's behind the line of scrimmage. Or he could wait and throw it. You know, so a lot of that depends on him making the reads. Um, yeah. But it's also defense dictated. Like you take state, for instance. What do we do a lot on third and ten? Like drop eight, right? We're dropping guys past the sticks. It's just hard going yeah. the ball, man, when they've got eight guys past the sticks. Now, we as fans, we want to see them throw it there. But ultimately, a lot of times for the quarterback, the only thing that's open is the short, you know, the one or two-yard route to see if a guy can – because you don't want him to throw into that stuff, into something that's covered just because, hey, you know, don't throw it short of the sticks because we shouldn't. Um, and then it's picked off or, you know, um, uh, you yeah. it's a bad, like sometimes you ultimately, like defenses are smart, you know, and that's why, like, I get frustrated at times. I think it was the very first third down against, against Miami. State was at third and 10, and they went cover one. And you forced Van Dyke to make just a ridiculous throw. I mean, he threw like a 35-yard deep out. That Tyler yeah. Baker Williams had covered and Hardy catches it, gets one foot down, and they pick up the first. But my point there is just kind of like, why aren't you dropping eight and forcing him to just throw the check down? You know, because he's not yeah. getting that same throw if you take that, if you change up your defensive scheme. So sometimes I think that stuff's dictated by what the defense is doing, you know, more than anything else. And well, yeah, and that's that's part of the problem with I think we're State fans get frustrated, mm-hmm. and you see a game like that where you got a guy who's played one game, and you're let you're giving him man on man, yeah. right? You're playing cover zeros, and letting him have those opportunities to let his highly rated wide receivers make those plays, as opposed to dropping eight and giving him some tough looks, and you know making him make some throws like that. Like they did it. They just didn't do it enough in that game, and they didn't stress him enough. And I think that's uh, – flip that back to our offense. I feel like we don't stress defenses enough with our offense. Yeah, I mean, but, I, the thing with Van Dyke, you know, we talk about on the podcast, I'm like, look, they're going to play They're gonna play him like they played Dennis Grossell. 
because you know he was just he he'd made two starts in his career. He just came off a yeah. game against North Carolina where he threw one touchdown, three interceptions. He was one for eleven on throws of twenty yards or more down the field. One for eleven. Right. And NC State had just played Grossell, who's a similar guy who hadn't shown he could throw a deep ball, and they shut him down by playing the same scheme. And lo and behold, yeah. against NC State, he turns into the current version of Tyler Van Dyke. Which hey, I mean, the guy followed it up good, and went yeah. and beat Pitt on the road, right? Like so, yeah. It wasn't just an NC State thing. I mean, this guy's now showing he can throw the football. And right. I, I think if you'd ask State to do it all over again, they probably would change it up. But based on what they'd seen up to that point, they hadn't seen anything from him to suggest he could make those types of throws. And so it's kind of like, you you, you know, it's one of those things where you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because then you sit here and if you do drop eight and he's sitting here picking you apart, you're saying, well, he hadn't thrown the ball deep all year. Why are we doing this, right? Like – because I'm with you, I would have played more coverage against Miami. Yeah. But the numbers suggested you do something completely different. And and that's why, I mean, I think we, we kind of have a good feel on how we think State is going to play teams because they're going to play to their strength against what you seem to struggle with. And I think against, against Wake Forest, I think they're going to say, you know, their biggest strength right now is throwing the ball vertically. So – if we can take that away by playing coverage, we'll see if they can beat us a different way. And I think that's the way they felt against Miami. I think they felt against Miami. If you could take away their run game and make him beat you throwing the ball deep, you're going to win that game because he hadn't shown you he could throw the ball deep. And damn, if he didn't turn into – like I don't even want to name a <laughs> shitty Miami quarterback because, you know. But like Joe Montana, like who, who did he turn into, right? Like he's – Gino Toretta. Yeah, Gino yeah. Toretta. Like he's the college – yeah, the, the Heisman Trophy winning – you know, but then it's so funny, like, you know, he followed that up. That's what I – man, when I watched that Miami game back, I'm like, dude, I didn't really feel State played bad in this game. Like, Miami no. Miami didn't turn the ball over. Van Dyke threw for 354 touchdowns and no interceptions, and you lost by one point and had a chance. Like, if Devin Carter catches a ball, you're probably getting field goal range. You know, so – It just – it still feels like a missed opportunity there. No, no you doubt, know, a because you didn't, yeah. you didn't do those things. And But that's the thing that's yeah. tough when it comes to me – winning games because if the other team plays an A performance, it's tough on the road to win a game because you got to match that. And, you know, as fans, we don't look at it from that standpoint when the other team doesn't, right? Like we don't say, well, you know, we beat Louisville because Malik Cunningham was off that night, right? Like, you know, it's just yeah. we beat Louisville. Um, yeah, that's where, that's where you and I diverge again. Where you're like the other team's trying to win too. Well, well, no shit. Of course they're trying yeah. to win. Well, like State didn't even have to play perfect. They didn't have to play their A game to beat Miami. They just had to not give up big plays to Jalen Knighton when on third and longs, or if Devin Carter does what Devin Carter should be doing, catching the ball, right? Then those things. That's a different story. It's not even like they had to play perfect, and that's right. They they just didn't sit back in coverage like we were kind of hoping. You right. Know? I mean, I don't know. It's just to me. My only concern is sometimes Gibson, like when presented with a challenge, immediately goes hyper aggressive. And you'd think after sitting back and stewing on that Miami loss all last year, which is the one he said he couldn't stop thinking about, you thought he would have maybe changed his approach and cooled it down a bit and sat back and said, why don't you beat me? Probably the worst thing that could have happened to us is Derek King not playing that game because he probably saw 
Van Dyke was like, well, well, I think the worst thing that that happened was, like I said, I mean, you watch the take back against North Carolina, he's overthrowing guys who are wide open. Yeah. Like he just was not accurate in that game. So you wouldn't have any thought that he would be able to all of a sudden flip a switch and he's now hitting every one of those. And that's what he did. You know, he, he was like six of eight, I think, against State on deep throws, like on PFF. I mean, he just – he became yeah. – he made those same throws you hadn't seen him make all year. So, as a coordinator, it's tough to like – I don't know what you do, you know, because like we said, I mean, you could have played Dennis Grossell the other way and like no one's saying any – you remember you guys watched. I mean, Zay Flowers was open against State multiple times. Right, but Grossell just overthrew him or underthrew him, or you know, just didn't hit it. And it wasn't necessarily always just coverage; it's just he was not on. And and I think they kind of felt the same thing from Van Dyke, and just that we hadn't seen any evidence that he could hit those shots. So he got burned. Yeah, <laughs> he got burned. Well, we're, we're approaching on the two-hour oh, mark. Oh, man. we passed the two-hour. We passed the past two hour mark, and this is <laughs> this is an exact reflection of James and I conversation. Well, pretty much yeah. six days a week. Yeah, There's one day in there like, where just... GP's got us on mute. By the way, I'd imagine by now, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's got to. Yeah, we're in a group conversation, and it's just James and I. Yeah, talking about Dave Clawson and wishing NC State would be more aggressive. I think James still hates Dave Clawson, but I think we've kind of agreed that <laughs> NC State's offense should be more aggressive. So I think we can probably wrap it up there. But James, as always, it's a fun conversation, and like this is the epitome of our text. Yeah, we yeah <laughs> back and forth. I'm not sure we got anywhere, but at least it's better than the other nonsense we could be talking. So, about. so are we going? Is he already crowned the ACC Coach of the Year? Which one, Dave Paulson? The winner of this game has to get this will it, be right? his. Yeah, this will be his first ranked opponent of the season. So is he? He's getting it. Right? Could you imagine two of Dave Doran's best years him not winning Coach of the Year? Well, why? All right, let's let's unpack that just for a second. Why is that? Why does Dave Doran not get that credit? The, the, well, last year it was because Brian Kelly. No, that's that, an excuse. That, that's that, not that, it. That, that I'm joking. Yeah, I'm excuse. joking. Yeah. Like, let me ask y'all this right now: If if Wake would have had State's record last year, would they have won to get? Would it, would Clawson have won Coach of the Year? Yeah, hundred percent. So, what's the difference there? Here's my guess, man. I, I feel like Dave is like pissed in the media cornflakes a little too many times. You know, I, I don't know. He he is not liked by media members, and I feel like that comes back and haunts him in these little moments. Um, like, I mean, it was ridiculous that that Kelly got that last year, but like this year, right? Him coming out after the Florida State game for no. I, I no reason coming out and saying we're just being disrespected by who you're 19th in the country. You've well, lost two games. No, I mean, yeah, you weren't ranked. Well, you, were, you were ranked 19th in the college football poll and unranked in the AP poll, right? Or, well, I know, but come out and say it, right? Come out and say there's two local media members who didn't even put us in the top 25 and we're six and two. Fuck them. That's what he should say. Well, what you? I mean, coaches aren't. I mean, he. I don't think he's. Oh, you, yeah. But yeah. what I'm saying is that the the national media hears it though and sees it and goes, "What on earth is he talking about?" Yeah. And I think that's why, like, you lose out on the that the rest of the media market members, they're not here in the triangle, so they're not really not really following why Dave would be upset. And I just think that kind of stuff, like over the years, he's just made a habit of it, complaining about injuries 
or faking injuries against FSU that one game, the laptop gate against Clemson, right? And like you kind of thought after the Clemson game this year when he was like, curse is broken, you know, you got him smoking a cigar and drinking on camera and you know what I mean? Like you thought, oh, hey, he's he's finally realized the way you win these people over is by showing who you actually are. And then he just started whining again. So I think that's I think that's well, why. I think people don't like his shtick occasionally. Well, I think some of what Dave does is motivational too. Like I don't think it's oh, necessarily I get like that. I mean and I, and I would imagine it shouldn't like first of all, it's crazy to me that that like a lot of media members want to cho- pick and choose when to care what Dave Dorn says, right? Like <laughs> yeah. You know, they don't care or really fought. Like I said, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to find what the preseason poll was for 2020. I can't imagine state was picked high. Um, I would think Wake was picked ahead of them. But yeah, to go, because I mean, you know, you were coming off of that bad 2019 season. No one thought state had anything at quarterback. A lot of people thought Dave was fired. Um, so I don't, I mean, I'm, like I said, I imagine they were picked towards the bottom, but to, to, to go with seven and three with that team. And finish what? What they finish fourth, tied for fourth in the division, in the league. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. I mean, it, there it shouldn't have even been a vote, really. You know, I'm, they were picked eleventh. Eleventh. Where was Wake picked? Tenth. So Wake was picked one spot ahead. They went four yeah. and five. But like again, no one, you know, coat for Clawson, it doesn't matter, right? Like. But why is that? Why? I don't know, I don't why, know does, why he it, like in year yeah. seven for him. I don't know why it doesn't matter that he wasn't good. Because I mean, well, at, at least with Dave, why does it matter? Dave had some goodwill build up going into twenty nineteen. He had just won nine games in back to back years. He had just won six and five ACC games. I mean, eleven ACC games over a two year period at NC State. What was that? Like thirty years since that's happened. Yeah, you know. So he had some goodwill going into twenty. Like what is like I don't again the sir I don't know what all Clawson has accomplished relative to even Jim Grove at this point to where we view it like like he's had a good four year run it still wasn't better than Jim Grove's best four year run and so I don't uh, the local media doesn't help us right and I don't think our administration helps us in that regards like they should have been campaigning for Dave in that year. I mean, Dave won. That was by far Dave's best job. He won with Bailey Hockman as your quarterback, the guy who is now out of football Mary, because he couldn't make it at Middle Tennessee State. Mary, like, good, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. You know. I just I, – I, like I'm what I'm trying to get to, though, is why is that perception of Dave Dorn like that? And I think it's games like – Mississippi State and Miami and maybe some of the other ones where you feel like they let you down there and maybe again it's it's perception right it's it's not it might not be reality but that is that is my theory on why the media and everybody else doesn't give Dave the credit I mean to- he should he should have been coach of the year I beat that drum all the end of last year should have been coach of the year I mean to me the and- only thing I have the only problem I have with that is like and you're right. I think you're right. But I also think it's with our own fan base because it's like, why do we think games like Miami and Mississippi State are supposed to be gift? Like, to me, the one game that really fits that criteria is 2018 Wake Forest. Like, I don't even think yeah. Dave has historically been a guy who's lost a lot of – lost games where he's been a decided favorite. Like, I don't. Like, and and 
to I would have that view on a coach when he loses those types of games. Like going and playing at Mississippi State in week two of the season as a two-point favorite it was. I mean, like, is that really a game yeah. where you've kind of shit the bed? Like, No, well, that, you know, yeah. like they didn't play well that game, but the Miami game might be even more because – you had, like we already said, we had chances to win that sure. game, and it took a it took a Herculean effort from Miami to win that game. Well, right? But State had its chances; just, they were. Doesn't in that just game. get chalked up as a game you just lost? Like I don't really think. Like I mean, ultimately, even you guys, you guys picked State to go ten and two, right? Like yep. you had them losing to somebody. It's and so yep. if you got them losing two games, it's never going to be like it's hard to kind of like dismiss a loss, right? Like you're, there's going to be a, either you're going to play bad or, you know, the other team's going to play really, really well. Like there's no great way to lose a game. You don't like win a game and you lose it. So you understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. This. It's just kind of like you're ultimately yeah. going to lose a game. So I, you know, I always tell, I was telling my buddy, uh, Steve, we were talking about Steve Williams. I'm like, you always go into a year and you think state's going to go eight and four, nine and three, 10 and two, whatever. And then when you get to the point where you lose a game, it's just kind of like, how do we lose that game? But ultimately, you're going to lose a couple games, right? So, yeah, but you feel like, especially just missed opportunities by not so executing for like, in that, what game in would have been acceptable game. to lose if you're going, if you're picking state to go ten and two, which game wouldn't have been a missed opportunity to? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> there you probably. I, I don't know. That, I, that was my out. thing. Is like, yeah, that was my thing. I knew. I was like I said ten and two, but I also said I don't know what the games are that we're going to lose. But I feel like we are better than everybody on this schedule. You know, Sands maybe talent wise, Clemson, and I. But I said we're, I, I had us beating Clemson all year. And, yeah, but I didn't know where those two games were going to come. I mean, you look at Pitt, still you look at Pittsburgh right now, right? Like this should be yeah. This to me is like why I say I, I feel like it's hard to win games. Like it's hard to just say blanket we're going to do this because I think Pitt is really good. I do. And they're sitting yeah. here now with two losses, and they still have North Carolina at home, and they still have Virginia at home. Both teams with enough offense to to beat them. And they could literally, they lose one of those games, especially if they lose the North Carolina game and Miami wins out. They don't even win the Coastal. In a year where they're this good, like I think all three of us would agree, they're really good, and Narduzzi's done a great job. And they could finish 8-4, and 9-3. and three. And would he, would Do you he think if Dave wins? Like a wasted, like would you say he sh- – Shit the bed? Like, would you say Narduzzi's been terrible? I mean, how would you view that season? I just think it's hard to win every, you know, like, there's a reason. It's hard to win them all. Yeah, there's a reason only X amount of teams end up going 10-2 and two or 11-1, and 12-0 and 0 in a given year. It's just hard. I think I if we oh, – sorry, just to jump in for a minute. It's I was just thinking back on it, like, the reason we thought we were going to go ten and two, right, is because we were looking at that defense yeah. and Leary coming back and you know everything. And the only thing we were worried about was the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And you know now we're down what like five, six, seven starters on defense, yeah. right? So it's reasonable to lose one, two, I'll even dare say three games in the next games because at some point that catches up to you. But I mean. <laughs> So if you take that into account, like, yes, we will be disappointed if you don't go back and factor any of that in because we thought we were going to be 10 and 2. But if we end up at like 9 and 3 this year, given what we've got left in the last three games, like, I'm going to be fine, happy, right? Like, and I don't know what's gone on with Pitt, right? But I think, weren't they 
Oh no, Pitt wasn't favored, right? Because everyone thought UNC was the greatest team on earth, no, right? Oh um, no, I, Pitt was. I think Miami and Carolina were top two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pitt was, I think, three. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess what I'm saying is like probably from a Pitt fan's perspective, they haven't shit the bed. But it's again, it's it's just you only get these opportunities at least in the Atlantic like once in a blue moon, right? It's maybe it's more you know it is what it is over on the coastal side, but. You know, that, that's what I was saying. Like, I'm glad that in the year that Clemson is definitely down, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and they'll maybe lose two two games, is the year that State was ready to, to strike. I just think a lot of people are disappointed just in two big-time opportunities for perception against an SEC team and against a Miami team where I think, weren't we ranked like 16th at the time? 18th, but yeah. 18th, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it's just we have so few opportunities to truly elevate this program, and all that matters is where you're ranked at the end of the year. And winning one of those games would have made us look probably a lot better, you know, if we end up nine and three, I guess, or ten two. But if we go nine and three, is you, you're not going to be happy. I, you're not going to be happy in that scenario. Right? Not. But at the same, I'm not. But at the same time, like, three? no, no. I think what I think what he's saying is like at that point we would have been on. Like eleven and one is in question in that scenario. Right, I, I think is what Evan meant. But I guess what I'm saying is, Dave needs Dave's doing a good job recruiting. I don't think Dave's doing an excellent job recruiting. I still think he has missed some of the guys that he actually wanted, despite the <laughs> what people say. Oh yeah, you and yeah. Well, I know, right? But like some people are like, "Oh, he's getting who he wants," and it's like, "Well, there's a few guys he didn't get. I know that he wants." So <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like look, I mean, to be fair, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think. That that's just NC State, right? Like, I mean, we can blame it on Dave, but when North Carolina's doing relatively well, they're going to get the better players in the state. It's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Um, well, I don't know. I've my that's I've said my right. theory. I mean, it's a lot been of that times. way for it's been that way for thirty years. I mean, you can go look like John Bunning was winning two games and out recruiting Chuck Amato, <laughs> and like we thought, all of us thought Chuck Amato was a great recruiter. There's a reason Chuck had to go to Florida. I mean, he wasn't getting all the the, the, the better players in the state. It's just, yeah. I don't know what, I mean, I'm telling you, man, the, the it's just the way it's well, been. It's like, I tell Evan every time, the next coach we hire better have a Southern draw. <laughs> because I, I guarantee that is a big, bigger factor down here than people realize. And, you know, come in, have an attitude and an enjoyable personality. And I bet we win a lot more recruiting battles than we do now. Because quite frankly, like, I like what we see from the hard, tough together mentality and all that jazz. And it's great seeing our guys like hit other players really hard, but I guarantee we lose recruits from time to time because Dave is a bit of a snore publicly in the way he plays football. And a lot of, you know, like we said, like putting another touchdown on the scoreboard doesn't change the outcome of a lot of games for him, but the perception would probably change that this is kind of a fun place to play football. Well, I think, and, yeah, and I think it's, it's also kind of relative to what you, you want to feature in your program. But like, like yes. I've had them tell me specific, like I'm, and you guys may may not believe me when I tell you this. There's been four star, five star guys that I know stated specifically backed off of because they didn't fit the way they wanted, you know, the type of kid they wanted to. And I mean, like I remember we were out at, I'll give you an example. We were out at um at the Tom Lemming photo shoot. This was probably three years ago, and Peyton Page was there. He was a 2022 kid from Greensboro. He was a five star kid. A lot of people had him or 20. Excuse me, 2020. A lot of uh, services had him like the number one player in the state in that class at that point. 
And he was telling recruits there, NC State, can you believe NC State hadn't offered me yet? And was genuinely mad about it. And NC State just didn't think, and look, he ended up, he ended up going to Clemson, you know. But this was when he was a rising junior, I believe. NC State just didn't think he was a good fit for what they were looking for player-wise, personality-wise. And, you know, it may have impacted them with some of those other kids he was complaining to about it, but they chose to go that route. And, I, I mean, like, I think kind of the reason I say that is I think sometimes your culture is what it is and, you know, your coach kind of has to – he almost has to kind of match your culture a little bit, right? Like, you're not going to have a yeah. coach, you're not going to have a coach at NC State wearing skinny jeans and – and you know, <laughs> yeah. listening to whatever you want to listen to, and he's talking about hard, tough together, hand in the dirt, right? And you're, you know, so yeah. And the reason I said, hey man, I sometimes wear skinny jeans, and I'm a woodworker, yeah, man. Yeah, but, what are you saying? Look, I mean, nothing wrong with skinny jeans. I'm just saying you're not seeing Dave Dorn in them. I don't think, but but yeah, I mean, like, so to him, kind of being a snore and and a guy who, you know, is all about that type of a deal. I mean, I think that's just the type of guy. He's there's a reason I think a guy like Drake Thomas might appeal to him. You know. Um I mean, I think it, it kind of fits from a, you know, a, a personality standpoint, like the certain types of guys they recruit. But you're right. I mean, I think he could be different and, and get more flashier type type players. I just don't really know how much that matters to them. I mean, and man, maybe that's going to end up, end up being their ultimate downfall. You know, I'm not saying it's the right way to approach it either, you know. I mean, it could be why they don't get over the hump and, find a way to win this game. But I'm sure you guys will admit, man, if I'd have told you here, you know, at the beginning of the year that you beat Wake Forest and you beat Syracuse, you probably win the Atlantic, would you have taken it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yes. we talked early on, right? right? We said 10 and 2, and I think you asked me where those two losses were, and I said, I don't care where they are. Yeah. Like, and and we're on pace for that. So, so, like, just go out and win these games. Like, I think we're the better team. So what if you go? But I'm I'm just nervous because I thought that twice this year. What if you go ten and two and you don't win the Atlantic? That'd be disappointing, and that would be an insane year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I just think you lose the Wake Forest, you win your final two games, and Wake loses to Clemson but beats Boston College, and they go seven and one. It'd be a good year. It would be another, you know, asterisk by well, what could have been. No, I'm just saying it's another missed opportunity, right? You feel like the the, the division is winnable. And that, that would go in the NC State shit column. Yeah, I mean, when can the, can the Atlantic for once six and two be good enough? Am I asking too <laughs> much? Maybe this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Am I asking yeah, too much? Can't. But can't we? We can do that this year, right? We can be six and two yeah. with a three way tie and yeah. win. That's my whole point. Yeah. Can it? Can it be ten and two, six and two, be good enough to, or whatever it will be? That'd be nine and three, yeah. So I guess I guess hell no. For them to go ten and two, they got to win out and win the Atlantic. So that scenario is actually off the table, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah so I guess the question for you would be: Would nine and three make you happy? I guess not. <laughs> no, I, I'd be disappointed. Nine and three, yeah. six and two. Here, here's the thing: Do you think if if Dave goes nine and three, do you think he's the coach here next year? As in, like, do you think he gets poached? Um. I think he's going to look around. I would. I mean, I've been open about yeah. I think Dave's going to look around. Like, I think he yeah. should. Um, you know, I mean, I like – and, again, I'm not saying this relative to how NC State's fans should view him versus other schools or all that, but he does get he, – he doesn't get this I'm allowed to lose window that other coaches get. 
You know, like we just talked, we're talking about Dave Clawson, right? And he never, when's he ever questioned? Like, and that goes back to that same discussion. Like the gap between those two guys are so different. One gets questioned after every loss, right or wrong, he does. And the other never gets, like never gets questioned. And you would think their accomplishments would be completely flipped given the way that's played out. Right. I mean, and that's and that was like, back to my huh? original question. That goes back to my original question is why, why does Dave Dorn not get credit? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I mean, and that's kind of yeah. why I'm saying, I do think he's going to, if he has the opportunity, reset his clock. He should. I mean, yeah. he's been, I mean, like he's been at stake nine years, man. Or this is this his ninth year, eighth year? Ninth year. Ninth year. Yeah. I mean, like that, that's a long time. And if, he and if he doesn't get it done this year, if he doesn't win the division, I think even especially if he wins the division, he could probably cash in and, and you know, leave. And it's, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, you take your coordinators with you, you can take some of your players with you now. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. this new rule in college football, That's I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, you know, let's think, let's, I just saw where I think Florida lost uh, or fired their D.C. Like, what if they hire Tony Gibson? You know, he can go and pick yeah. three or four guys with him if he wants to now. I mean, there's nothing stopping it anymore. Um, and so I think I think you see that from programs maybe that have less strength around their culture. Like if Phil Longo left and wanted to take some of his guys and you already you've seen a whole bunch of them hit the portal already. State hasn't quite had that issue. So But if it's the guy I mean, it's certainly top, a possibility. do you think that changes things? Like ah, the guy at the top, I think that does change things, but I, it's still there. There's still a bond on this team. I think you'd see more people, more guys probably testing the pro waters and hitting the portal to follow Dave wherever Dave went. Mm-hmm. I'd be, be more nervous that we, if he left and we didn't have someone hired quickly, I'd be more worried about our guys just bouncing in general, not, yeah. not to necessarily go with Dave because yeah. I think a lot of the guys coming off of this year, are going to have immediate credibility elsewhere. Like, I mean, Devin Leary could go play oh, no at doubt. a championship contender. I mean, Devin Leary could do that. Oh, Devin Leary at Georgia, he'd be, he'd be killing Devin Leary, That's what I'm saying. Like, he'd, why he'd why wouldn't Kirby or someone re- reach out, right? I mean, yeah, someone like, can reach out, I think, regardless, right? I mean, you know. Well, I got some breaking news for you guys. Devin Leary is now on the Heisman Trophy List. Shut up. So, or he's got some odds to his name on the Vegas board. They're oh. plus 30,000, but he is on the board now. That's hilarious. 30,000 <laughs> to one. I like those odds. 30,000 <laughs> to one. Kenny Pickett is 1,900 to one, and Hartman is 5,000 to one. Yeah. Hartman's lower so, than so. that. Wait, he's higher. You said, you said Leary was 30,000. 30,000, oh. yeah. Plus 30,000. Kenny Pickett is 1,900, and Hartman is 5,000. So, in order for that to occur, State would have to win every game, win the championship game, and then they, they're not going to be in a, a playoff game, right? No. I mean, you you need a miracle of teams to lose and play bad, and a lot of quarterbacks to throw dumb do, things. Do they do the Heisman before the championship game or after the the playoff game? After. Okay. No. He'd have to. Yeah, after. I think it's after. Right. He'd have to go in and beat, like Alabama would have to be like number five, and he'd have to beat Alabama. Like how how on how on earth would Leary win at this point? How would he? What? Well, I think that's why, <laughs> I that's know. where you get the thirty thousand to one in it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like let's see yeah. if we can get some dummy to put five to lose five dollars today, right? Like that's the yeah. You put five thousand. You put five dollars on it and see if it'll. 
I'll put five on Lear right now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, put five yeah. on it and see what happens. Um, you know, put some of that doggy coin on there, Evan. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not. You know, I mean, but yeah, I, I think I don't know why it's like that with Doran. Um, you know I mean, you know, and that's what I have. You know, if he loses this weekend against Wake Forest, and 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 if Clawson loses, you you guys know they'll be talked about completely different. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Well. Like we are hitting on it, right? I mean, how many other coaches have nine plus seasons at the same school? Like Pat no, or um, no, no. the Iowa guy, right? No, I mean, Brent. I don't think it's a lot. Alabama. I mean, I know Clawson's at eight. I think he's the second highest in the ACC. Maybe Dabo is at the top. Yep. Yep. So Dabo, oh, yeah, Dave, and he Dave. popped in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, know. when you're around for a long time. It's it's I mean it's the, this is the problem for NC State athletics in general, right? They are starving for something, a banner to hang up that's worthwhile. And the only team that's really delivered for them is women's basketball, wrestling and swimming. Right? And cross country. So like <laughs> not and not to like belittle any of those programs, but like people want something in one of the big the programs. Victory. Right. And to have baseball snatched away from you like it was this year, I think made the sta- the fans even hungrier. But I just think in general, like even when we we're close and that game was competitive with Clemson, there was a lot like a lack of emotion at times in our section of the stadium, which was infuriating to me. Like, I, I just think people are maybe just ready for something new. And it and but if he wins this year, I think he gets like a freaking statue. Like that's how close he is to changing the the discourse around him. You think Dave gets a statue? <laughs> no, never. If he wins, the, he if he wins an ACC championship, will it look like Dave I'm, Clawson? I'm, uh, no, no, I'm talking Dave Doran. I'm talking Dave <laughs> like, Doran. What if they because... put up a photo? What if they put up a statue of Clawson instead of Doran? I mean, that... I mean, look. I mean, I think if you put Dave Clawson over here right now, we'd win. But anyways, right, that's right, another. Yeah. You know, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, I think Dave is so close to getting this program over the hump and maybe unlocking potential that's been sitting there. But I just think there's a lot of people that are like, man, we don't have something to be grateful for other than being just good enough. And, like, I just think people are kind of tired. And, you know, you got people like us that would love to see, like, a Jamie Chadwell type here, given a chance. Jamie Chadwell, like... What has he done? Yeah, um, I mean, runs an innovative offense. Okay. It seems likable. Okay, has a let me let me ask you winning program. Oh, yeah, man. has a winning program. Like, I mean, he's. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, when we hired Dave, I think a lot of us were excited because Dave was doing well at Northern Illinois. He came in and said the right things. He said we were going to have an Oregon, uh, Wisconsin baby of an offense. Right? Everyone got excited. And then it kind of just the wheel spun for a while because I'm sure Dave didn't even recognize how screwed up the situation was when he came here. And I think a, I think if you do bring in someone who's been successful for a couple years somewhere that seems to have a good personality and innovative schemes, they could take what Dave has built so far and make it work for a few years and, and maybe elevate it. And maybe that's all we need. Like I, I just think he has primed like a powder keg here and if he was to leave this year, if he went to like a Penn State or wherever, who who's that? Doran? Dave. I'm just saying, like okay. if Dave Doran got hired away right. to a better program, Nebraska. Well, not Nebraska. Like, but if that were to occur, 
I think the next person who comes in has like a scenario that we haven't had at state in, I don't know, 20, ever. 30, 40 years ever. Yeah. Compared to like, what David. Yeah. I just like, I'm, I'm interested because like I, y'all have mentioned a couple of times, um, like you said, if Clawson came here, I'm, I'm assuming you'd think he'd win because of his innovative offense. I just wonder when he didn't, would we be mad about the defense? Well, I, the question would be, does Dave Clawson shift his gear slightly? at a different program. Yeah. Like maybe he still has that innovative scheme, but maybe he really dials back the tempo on it. Right. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Like if you see, here's the thing I was going to say this about Clawson earlier. I completely forgot it. The one thing I noticed in that UNC game, right. As soon as they had to score, as soon as Wake had to score at the end of it, and they had to abandon the, the run element, they became incredibly pedestrian. Right. So I, I think. Is that on him? I think well, I think that I think his I think once he becomes one dimensional, the I mean the only thing his only advantage is that's is that scheme and making you make a mistake. Right? Like I don't he doesn't really out talent you. And so I just wonder if he was at a program with a little bit better resources and talent overall. You know, yeah, maybe it does change. Maybe he maybe it only works at a Wake Forest, but I don't know. I, I, I wanted to bring that up earlier because we were talking about I think Someone was saying we might have like control of the game with our defense. And I do think if you get up two or three scorers on Wake Forest, like, yeah, you do have a completely different, you know, you, I think maybe you said it, James, you thought maybe we could like cruise to a victory at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, the most likely, I would think that's the most likely scenario if there is going to be a blowout. Um, but I could be wrong. Maybe Wake blows out state. I, I don't, um, I just, I don't know. I, I think, like I remember when Larry Fedora got to Carolina and he had this fun, fresh offense that everybody loved. Even we did, like state fans did. And then when it when it wore off and he wasn't winning anymore, it was just like what a defense of shit, right? Like and so how much do you ultimately <laughs> end up caring about the do we care about the offense if it's not it, it's still at the end of the day, right? Results driven. So whether you're winning or not is what's going to matter. So if you you know, there's cause you guys know, I mean, there's been plenty of like Cliff Kingsbury was my guy when Dave got hired. Like I, I literally, I was seriously pounding the table for state to hire Kingsbury because cool, man. The offense is great. Like young guy, he got hired by, by Texas tech and they fired him. And he was all, it was his alma mater. Um, not to say he wouldn't have. Texas tech's a dead end. What's that? But anyway, yeah, I mean, not Texas to say tech's he couldn't have been end, successful but... there, but you know, like at, at, then at that point, I mean, how innovative and cool he is. Like, I mean, that's kind of why I'm asking just about Chadwick. Is just, I don't know, I don't know what their talent level is at Coastal Carolina relative to the Sun Belt League. I know they've got Jeffrey Gunter there, who's really good. Like, is he? Is he? Are they the Clemson of that league? Right? Like, no. Those are the guys that scare mm-hmm. me. Historically, they haven't okay. been. That's and that's what's interesting is he basically came in and said, "Man, our offensive line is really short. We've only got certain types of players. Like, what can we do to make this work?" And so they basically went to like they're like a triple option style. They have triple option rules and then all these spread elements into it. And, you know, he's basically like, "This is the only thing that could work down here." So like, I don't even know if he would bring the same offense here. I guess like what I kind of look at is like if Dave Doran got flipped and was sent down to Coastal Carolina, how would Dave Doran handle it? He'd probably build like a defensive team, right? And I just don't think he really. I don't think that's yeah, I mean, the, I, the way to go. I, I but, imagine he'd do what he did at NIU. Um, yes, I don't know what he did. Try there, to find but, a mobile quarterback, and yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, they won a shit ton of games. Um, 
But that's the thing that's funny is like, right? Like, look at what his success was at NIU, right? It was built around, uh, what was his name? Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, I mean, he went. Jordan Lynch. I mean, Dave Lynch. Dorn was as hot of a, I mean, he went 23 and four, 15 and one in the MAC, won two conference yeah. titles, went to the Orange Bowl. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that was built around a mobile quarterback, right? And that's what's kind of been surprising to me is like, for some reason, I don't know if it's just the OC's calls or what, like, you know, Jacoby was successful and we lucked out with Ryan Finley, but I'm, I'm still amazed we didn't just hammer mobile quarterbacks until we found one. And I thought that's like, kind of like his thing is like, Dave always says like, I want to do what makes me uncomfortable as a DC is like what we want to try to target. And, you know, for years it was just like, now we're going to go get pocket passers. Well, and that's what I'm wondering if maybe it's now just a thrower, you know, like, I mean, there's different ways, obviously you guys know to win a game, but, um, I mean, he's out of school that's had success recruiting quarterbacks. Maybe he feels like he didn't need to recruit just a runner anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, that's where I think Leary, you're seeing Leary kind of really you – know, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. I think Devin Leary's the best thrower that, that Tim Beck's ever had. I mean, you go and look at his quarterbacks, he's not had a true passer. I mean, at any of these players. Even Ohio State, I mean, those guys – JT Barrett was dual threat. He wasn't a, a drop-back classic Elite 11 type thrower. And – I don't know. You're right. Maybe it took some time for him to kind of figure out. But really, I mean, if you go back to when Leary's played under Beck, he's been pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the thing is, it's like. Hey, was he 10 and 2 as a starter under Beck? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, everyone, the perception of last year is wildly different if Devin Leary is there the whole time, right? And then there's a lot of accolades going into the season and things like that. But I, I think what's interesting to me is just, like I said, they know that that element is so useful. And that's why I'm just surprised they don't try to kind of manufacture it with Leary to some degree. Like, run those four verts and clear out. And if and if the O-line does his job, like, he should be able to go run a draw for five, eight, ten yards. Like, he's that's how we scored in that Miami game. I agree. I, I feel like there's, there's two ways to win in college football. It's having superior talent or having superior scheme. And I feel like we have maybe above average talent and above average scheme or somewhere in the middle. And I think that's kind of where we get our results from. When you look at, you know, Clemson, they have superior talent and they win, right? And they they had good schemes and they were cheating better than everybody else. You look at Coastal Carolina, I think they have a superior scheme that is unique and that's that's how they're winning. And so I think State needs to find – and I know I wish Doran had found a little bit of his. I wish he would have found that Oregon Wisconsin baby that he promised. Well, you know, do you, yeah. do you think you can win in the ACC with just scheme? No, I think you need to have good players. I think you need to have good talent and above average scheme. Okay. Something unique like Wake Forest is winning with, you know, 60th ranked talent and above average scheme or unique scheme. I think that's that's how it's done. It's a pretty clear formula to me. I think there's, you know, something that man, I'm I'm gonna be laughing like like I'm gonna be laughing like hell if they finish eight and four. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> I think they, it's very possible. Their defense <laughs> yeah. is terrible. I mean, like think like, about it's so bad. And again, I don't think I don't think it's possible. I think they're good enough offensively to win maybe all these games, yeah. at least one or two. But how funny would it be that article comes out and they just lose the next four games? <laughs> yeah. 
He'll still win eight games at Wake, and he'll somebody will want him. It just they'll probably that's how he's you know gonna what? be viewed. They'll get that ninth in a bowl game because they'll play someone that's not used to playing them, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean that's the thing is right now they're back into that part of the schedule where it's everyone who plays them. Clemson isn't going to be surprised by them. You know, they have their entire history of calls to steal for that game. Um, you know, BC could have Jerkovic, you know, back and probably maybe more in rhythm. So that's a that's a much more difficult game than it was two weeks ago, right? So I don't know. I think I think they'll drop two for sure in the next three. But does that change your perception like, of him? No, because I still think I still I just think he is elevated. He has raised the bar for expectations there. And I don't see like, I mean, frankly, like, right. Like, I mean, what's the Grimes might be looking around right now, but like he's starting to get a couple more marginally better players. And I think he's going to stick around. Like, I, th- you know, Jamie Newman was like, I didn't think he was anything special at quarterback really, but he made that work. Right. He made Jamie lo- Newman look so good. UGA took him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I think it, he he's raised the floor. He needs everything to break right. You know, I think his defense a couple of years ago was much better than his defense this year. So, you know, I don't know. We've been talking for two hours and yeah. 43 minutes. I'm, I'm yeah. out of steam. i got to get some work done. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's end this, James. Appreciate your time. Like, like I said, this is a continuation of our – ongoing text messages and hopefully we get some resolution to it this weekend when we just kick the crap out of wake forest there you go yeah all right as always thanks for listening thanks for supporting the pod support ips we're big fans go pack go pack years to do that, but we did. We are the best team in this league.